Hello again. I guess I need an intro. So, welcome to the uh, Deep in Japan podcast. We're here today with Brendan. Tell us, where are you from? How long have you been in Japan? And uh, what are your impressions of Japan so far? All right. Well, my name is Brendan Bowerman. I was born in Texas, mm-hmm. Arlington, Texas. Uh, I lived there for eight years. And then family... Family situation changed, so we moved to Michigan together. Are you talking about divorce or like well, murder? Not yet. That was the divorce was in Georgia. That was years later. But uh, my father, my father wanted to move back north, so he got a job in Michigan. So we all moved there, lived there for three years, and then uh, mother wanted to move back down south, so we moved to Georgia. It's like a civil war, like a reenactment of the civil war. (laughs) My father always enjoyed being closer to family, but my mother always kind of enjoyed warmer weather and temperature. So Uh when we. It's really hot down there, right? It's pretty warm in Georgia. Yeah, I guess if you're familiar with the Kagoshima area, the Kyushu area, it's it's about on part of that. Okay. Minus the humidity. I grew up in Oregon where there's no humidity in the summertime. It's hot. The the temperature's about the same. You can get over 100 and whatnot, but like. The humidity, even here in Nagano, up in the mountains, I feel like it's just oppressive. So, it's you know, right I, now today is nice. Today is wonderful. Today is ridiculously nice. Georgia gets pretty warm. Um, it starts getting warm around March, April, and then it stays warm and hot until like September, October, sometimes uh-huh. November. Here in Japan, uh, it gets pretty fucking hot. I guess since you come from. Down south, you're used to that. Yeah. So it wasn't shocking. You didn't feel like, oh my god, I'm melting. This this is horrible. Well, I mean, um, in the states, you know, we have insulation and central heating and air, so you can escape the the harsh temperatures of summer during the day when you want to be inside. But you know, here, there's we have single pane windows, no yeah. insulation, no AC. Yeah. So if it's hot outside, it's hot inside. So I guess you could go to the Kombini and just like leaf through <laughs> manga magazines for half the day. Some days I do like to drive up to Eon and just kind of walk around and yeah. cool off. Although I found that even on the second floor of the mall, it gets pretty hot. So it, when, when I'm in the mall, I like to be on the first floor. <laughs> but that's where the Starbucks is anyway. So Right, yeah. right, right. Well, our Matsuya grocery store here is really cold. It's always cold. Huh. It's another place to... Tsuri, I know. The other grocery store in the area is also... Really freaking cold. Yeah, there's not a lot of matsu up on your, at, toward, towards your way. We have one. It's super old, though. And yeah. So it's it's where the old people shop. You know, It's weird how... <laughs> isn't it funny how like old people go to old stores? Uh, yeah. Like, yep. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there is one. It's um, I think it's probably hails back to the 60s or 70s. And uh, did you just burn your mouth? I did burn my mouth. <laughs> that coffee is still hot. So you're going with the French press today? Oh, every day. Me too, usually, when I'm at home anyway. And then today, I'm running the old Combini iced coffee. But it's not so bad. Like No, they're not. They're getting better. Did like, you go to... Oh, you went to Lawson. Mm-hmm. They got a good little cafe in there. Yeah. Ten years ago, they didn't even have those... Uh, you know, the, the machines that they have now that will grind the beans and actually brew right. them. Didn't have those. I think those are like a... Three or four years ago or something like that. So coffee's come a long way. Before that, it was just those cans of coffee. Like... You know, like Dido and Boss and stuff like that. You, what, what, UCC. And yeah, have you ever tried one of those? Nope. It's, you should. I mean, just so you know how low it can get. <laughs> <laughs> I've had, what is it? There's a, a pretty generic brand coffee around here. Key? Key? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Key coffee? Key coffee. I think it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I tried, you know, for 600 yen, I picked up one of their organic coffees and ground it in the store. It was actually pretty good. But you're still talking about grinding beans and, and, yeah. and improving not, not it up the in the French. Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've been going to Caldi Coffee, the import store down at the mall, and um, 
it's kind of expensive, but I, there's this <laughs> there's a brand called Woman's Hand. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if I mean I'm not sure if women are harvesting or not, but it's <laughs> really good actually. I like a light roast. It's, I do like Caldies. Uh, so yeah, that's what I've been running. I'll, I run a French press as well. I think it's the. I wish I had a burr grinder though. I've got a blade grinder. Okay. And so you can't really, even though it's got like a little, you know, like a, an adjustment uh, switch on the outside that says like how many cups is it and uh, how fine do you want it to be. Right. It basically just pulverizes every <laughs> grind so that it's, it's you know, uh, your standard drip machine. Yeah. No matter what, no matter what the settings are, you just, it just destroys, like, makes, basically turns it into like a fine powder. Right. Whereas with the French press, you want it to be a really coarse grind. Right, exactly. If it's are you too, hand grinding or what are you doing? Oh no, I usually um, well the Matsia has a, a grinder. You cut the bag open, pour it, and choose. So it. they've got like the full on industrial grade burr grinder, and you can set the settings and do it that way. Exactly. Or maybe that's what I should do. I like uh, Kitchen Farm by Eon mm-hmm. has a really nice coffee selection. I just tell them I want it ground for a French press, and they do it for me. Is it nearby here? Yeah, it's by the Eon. So every few days, you just kind of head in and get some coffee? About 200 grams of coffee usually lasts me about a week, week and a half. Yeah. I only drink about a cup or two a day. Yeah. I mean, I, you're probably not losing too much on freshness, but if you're really a connoisseur, you want to grind it every freaking day. Like right. That's, that's what you want to do. But well, Usually I'll fill up a glass uh, container with an O-ring on it, and then the leftovers I'll stick in the freezer, mm-hmm. and then yeah, that works. pour it over when it's yeah. the jar is empty. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like you got a better situation than me. <laughs> I just noticed that there's a huge French press in my school. And I remember it's from when I did a demonstration class with this teacher that she wanted to teach the kids like how to read instructions in English. Right. And so we, I think we bought like three or four French presses oh, and wow. copied the instructions and handed them out to the, the kids and had them try and decipher what to do to like get a, a French press <laughs> brew. Sounds like me every day here when I buy <laughs> some packaging in Japanese. In, in reverse, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're doing it in Japanese. I get the, the udon package, I'm like, all right, wait, how, many, how many cups? Oh, no cups, CCs, this? how many CCs? How many milliliters of water? Right, translate this, what's that word mean? Boil, okay. I don't even think I could do it in English. And, and yet, yeah, there are, when I was single anyway, there were times where I'm trying to decipher the backside of a package and so how can I cook this up or whatnot and if there's no pictures I'm just like alright time to worry about the dictionary and a pen <laughs> let's translate before we eat so yeah we should say you live alone right mm. uh, you're well, I guess yeah I guess we kind of left off where I moved to Georgia while I was in Georgia uh, I was studying Japanese language and literature as my degree graduated in 2014 so you must just be rocking on the Jago then I I get around. I mean, there's there's days where I feel like, man, I got this down. I have no problems communication. Nobody misunderstands me. But then I have days I'm just like, I don't know anything. I just do I speak Japanese? I even can't remember. That's kind of where I'm at too. Like 15 years, other people listening to you speak will will say, "Wow, you're amazing." (laughs) Whether they're foreigners or whether they're uh, Japanese people, and then. You have those days where someone's talking to you or you're watching TV and you're like, I have no idea what I'm hearing right now. <laughs> like, <what>? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like not a single word <laughs> like made it into my head. All that confidence you built up over the past week just comes tumbling down. Yeah. So that's, I mean, once you get used to that though, that kind of feeling that no matter how good you get at the language, you're not going to be like a kid who came over here and started right. learning it as a child. Once you get through that, I guess it's all right, but... Um, the first like five to 10 years for me were really frustrating. That feeling of like, God, I'm not making any progress. Mm. It's, it's a bullshit feeling because you are making 
progress. You feel like you're not. But once you kind of figure that out and, and, and don't quit, like a lot of people will quit. They'll, they'll, once they have that feeling like I'm worthless, I suck, I'm not making any progress in this language. Right. Fuck it. Well, I mean, I'm not going to live here for the rest of my life. It's usually in the back of your head. Like, I'm just going to be here for a few years. My job is to teach English. So forget it. They don't want me to speak Japanese at school anyway. But you didn't come in here like, you know, like the way most people come in here is um, I'm going to have an experience in Japan for a year or two. You came in here with a, with a degree in Japanese. So you're already kind of deep in the language. Yeah. I mean, after five years, um, I started, um, I was started in 2009, freshman I took, a couple, I took a year off of a previous failed experience at college, kind of decided what I wanted to do. And mm-hmm. uh, prior to learning Japanese, I took Spanish in high school. I got pretty good at it mm-hmm. um, to the point where, like, I was taking people's orders in Spanish. I was relaying, you know, the orders to the kitchen in the back in Spanish. Mm-hmm. People would request me, Hispanic, Spanish-speaking people were requesting my services because they could properly explain what they wanted and stuff like that. Donde está el baño? Exactly. <laughs> no. I can't, I, my, my Spanish is shit now. So is mine. But, but um, uh, Cerveza, por favor, and donde está el baño stuck with me. That and maybe counting. <laughs> I just remember, you know, I'm, I, I remember some really vague words like destapador. Destapador. Plunger. <laughs> <laughs> when you needed one at the restaurant, you worked that. <laughs> but yeah, I learned, I really enjoyed being able to speak with people who couldn't speak English. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just kind of opens, the first time like I felt confident in Spanish language and having you know casual mm-hmm. conversations about you know, people's lives, families, it was like, damn, this is pretty fucking cool. Well, if you were already fairly confident in Spanish and studying Spanish, what made you decide to make the switch to Japanese mm-hmm. and to pursue a degree in, in Japanese and Japanese literature? Well, unbeknownst to myself, I believe I was slightly, uh, not indoctrinated, that's not the right word. Mm-hmm. I was exposed to Japanese culture from a, very, from a very young age, even before I knew I was, I was being exposed to it. How old are you? I'm 28. 28. I'll be so 29 in November. Lad. And so you grew up at a time when anime and manga were had already kind of wiggled their way into Western culture. Right, and I didn't actually start really getting into that stuff until I was like knowingly knowing I was into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably until about high school. What were you reading or watching? What were you What were you into? Well, prior to that, you know, I was into like um, there was a show on TV called Battle of the Planets, okay. which was basically Gachaman. Okay. It, it was Gachaman. It was just rebranded for the U.S. Okay. And then um, Power Rangers, of course. Okay. That was a huge thing. I was massively into Power oh, Rangers. It was a huge success. Like in massive the success. success. Yeah, for me, I missed all that because I'm I'm a little older than mm. you. But I can still, even though I wasn't a child and I wasn't uh, into that kind of stuff, I could see how huge it was. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if you remember the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, basically all the action, action sequences, action sequences, English today, uh, came <laughs> from the Japanese, uh, a Japanese Power Ranger series. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was called now. Kyoryu Sentai Zoo Ranger. Okay. And um, basically, it was the same costumes, and even the Yellow Ranger mm-hmm. was a male in the costume. So mm-hmm. they made the car- the Yellow Ranger female in the American version, but they didn't because they were cutting in footage from the original version. It was still the dude in the costume, the yellow costume. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, over time, you know, things like that, uh, Sailor Moon started showing up on TV, Dragon Ball, 
Oh, it's well, amazing that a man in a costume could pass as a female. Only a Japanese could pull that off. And they got some petite bodies over here, some of these dudes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're not, I've noticed that you're not the average American size yourself. No, I guess not. You, I've you lost 15 pounds since I've been here. Was that conscious or just kind of like an automatic I think it result be, from the diet? Well, I didn't strictly go on a diet consciously. I just, you know, I was limited to when I moved here. Like from Georgia, we were used to like Southern cooking, lots of butter, fried chicken, fried steaks, mm-hmm. if it, and Paula Deen's basically sounds, cookbook. Sounds good. Oh, it was, it's amazing. <laughs> but I didn't have access to a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. So I was eating less. I was eating healthier. Not exactly by choice. It's just that what was available. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and so you being young, being single, and then living here all by yourself, you've kind of had to start fending for yourself, cooking for yourself. Oh, I cooked for myself when I lived in the States. I cooked for my uh, okay. now ex-wife. Okay. Yep. So I did most of the cooking because, you know. You now ex- <laughs> is that something you want to get into on the radio? Um, or? I mean, well, I think some people, it, to some people, it's a bigger deal than it really is. It's an unfortunate thing that happened, but... Um, I wasn't even married at your age, so yeah, um, yeah wow. You, you're experiencing life at a much quicker pace than I am. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that, that's something we can get later, later, get into later on in the conversation. Um, well, let's go back then. Um, you, what were you? You said you were watching the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, right? What else? What other elements of Japanese culture that spilled over in, into America did you sort of soak up? Well, once I got into high school, because, you know, when I was watching these shows like Sailor Moon, I had no idea these were shows from Japan because they were all uh, ported to America and dubbed in English. Mm-hmm. Should we figure out what that noise is? Oh, that was the front door closing. Okay, okay. The wind blew it okay. closed. Okay. Um, I had no idea it was from Japan. And I'm sitting there watching these five, like, power, super cool girls. And they're all wearing, everyone's wearing the same outfits to school. I'm sitting there thinking, why are they all wearing these? What's that all about? These skirts and ribbons to school. I didn't, I didn't get it. I was like, I don't understand. Catholic school? (laughs) Exactly. I'd never went to a private school, so I had no concept of Mm -hmm. school uniforms. I had no concept of the Japanese sailor uniform. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of boggling for me. It was just like, oh, that's strange. They're all wearing the same thing to school. I guess the animators were feeling pretty lazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But um, now as I, when I got into high school and I realized, you know, there was this, Thing called anime, and mm-hmm. I had some friends that were reading these comic books from Japan called manga. Mm-hmm. Although at the time they were calling it manga, manga. because they couldn't <laughs> fucking pronounce it right. Sure, but even, um, even today that's a thing. Oh god, I hate it. Driving me nuts. <laughs> but um, I really got into you know when Adult Swim started showing more and more anime at night. Okay, uh, Inuyasha. Inuyasha was the first show that really was like I was like, wow, this is amazing. I have to watch it. I have to keep watching it. I don't even think Adult Swim was a network when I left the United States. Well, it's not a network. It's on Cartoon Network. Okay. okay. It's, it's a, it was a block at night. Okay. They showed stuff from Japan. And when did that start? In the early 2000s? 2001, I think, is when they started showing Inuyasha on TV. Okay, Before yeah. that, they had shows like um, Tenchi Muyo, okay. Yu Yu Hakusho, Cowboy Bebop. Okay. Yeah. So you're interested in that stuff in high school? Massively, to the point where I look back, I'm like, oh, God, I wouldn't be friends with me now. But you were kind of a, like a goth or a punk or what was like if you're gonna if we're gonna put you in a, a category, you showed me pictures of yourself yeah, at the barbecue yeah. last year. Black hair, like, you had like makeup. a thing going on. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, I guess you know I. Well, that's another thing actually. How would you describe yourself at that time? Because I wouldn't have pictured you as an anime geek. You you look more like a musician, like in right. a in a punk band or something. What was it? I well, I was Industrial? playing. I've been playing piano since I was ten years old and trying to practice the guitar. I didn't actually start really dressing like that until after 
after after high school, I guess 2006, 2007, going into college. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, me and my friends were really big into the Japanese metal, the metal scene, still am. Okay, metal. Vis- I'm sorry. The okay. visual K stuff. Uh-huh. And all the dudes in Japan were wearing like fancy hair and so you were in a metal costumes. band then uh, in metalish industrialish bit of it was kind of a mix we didn't really have a mm-hmm. single genre whereas now you kind of have that I'm a director look <laughs> like oh yeah my hair is the shortest it's been in years I used to have hair down to my shoulders back in high school college time is it because you're a teacher that you have this sort of clean cut look now or this is mostly because it's summer and it's just easy to maintain. Uh-huh. My hair is naturally curly, so I have to flat iron it to keep the shape. So in the summer, it just cuts down like 30 minutes of my morning routine. I can't imagine seeing uh, an industrial goth teacher in Japanese public schools. That that would be (laughs) hilarious. I've shown my teachers and principals the pictures, and they're all like, what, that's you? That's you? No way. Yeah, you look like a different person. Um, uh, You should do it for Halloween, though, this year. You should should go... Full industrial. That'd be cool. Full goth. If you know, I I would have to get permission, but I'd be totally into that. Yeah, you. I mean, you, yeah, but I, I bet you they'd say okay because it's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. As long as it's only one day of the year, right? I mean, right. <laughs> if you just start going every to school day, <laughs> eyeliner on every day. <laughs> so, you grew up watching uh, anime mm, yep. from Japan and in it, high school. You were reading manga, manga. and My, um, watching anime. My friend showed me, I was, he was reading this comic book one day, and I was like, hey, what's that comic book? That looks kind of neat. Never seen it. Were well, you reading it, what, right to left? That's wild. Top mm-hmm. to bottom, what the fuck? He was like, oh, yeah, it's this book. It's called Love Hina. Mm-hmm. Is that when you started studying the language, or was it in university? It was, my interest started um, peaking at that point. Like, I was learning like a few phrases here and there. I wasn't mm-hmm. learning how to read or write, just you know how to say some cool things, stuff that I thought was cool at the time. Okay. But, um... So you didn't start studying Japanese formally until university? Correct, correct. And your degree, uh, you said Japanese literature... Japanese language and literature. Language and literature. Was that right from the start, or did you have like a, a moment where you decided to switch careers, switch um, focus? Well, you know, I I had tried one a year and a half in college directly out of... Um, immediately after graduating high school. Um, I wasn't mentally prepared for it. You know, I flunked myself out, took a year off. I did that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. During that time, um, I was like, language. Language is cool. I like languages. I mm-hmm. wanted to study and major in something I was interested in. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I had already a pretty solid um, interest in Japan, its culture. And I moved on from anime, anime, and got into Japanese music, and then started mm-hmm. learning about the history. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, all right, let's, learn some, let's learn some Japanese. So I went into a community college, two-year college. Um, was under a foreign language associate starts degree when I was there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I focused completely on Japanese the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to the University of Georgia and completed my degree, which was the only school nearby that had a, ma- a bachelor's degree program in Japanese language. Mm-hmm. And um, graduated uh, 2014 in May. Nice. And a year and a half later, made my way to Japan. So while you were studying uh, Japanese literature and language, what texts did you really connect with? Like literature or Japanese textbooks? Either or. We could talk about both separately. Um, well, if you're talking about textbooks, we use the Genki series. Okay. Genki book yeah. one and yeah. two. And then when I moved into... Uh, I gotta say, I really like those books. I do like Genki. A lot of people shit on Genki, but I don't... I, I had Yokoso. Yeah, that's what was there before I got there. They, As soon as I got into 
uh, college and they'd switched to Genki. Mm-hmm. It's a much better book. So, yeah, for sure. So you were studying uh, Genki and then I suppose they threw some like literary texts at you as well. I didn't start getting into literature until it was in the second half, the, the last half of my college uh, career. Yeah, um, I would imagine. I mean, you can't just obviously deciphering the text would be really hard. Right. We, um, I took a few literature courses. Some were Japanese literature in English mm-hmm. and some were Japanese literature in Japanese. The mm-hmm. texts were in Japanese. We mm-hmm. discussed it in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one of the books I remember the most or I remember the most fondly was actually wasn't in a Japanese literature course. It was a Japanese modern history course. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in, ja- in English, it was called, oh, Lord, let's see if I can remember it. I think in Japanese it's called like Chujin no Ai. Okay. And it's like Fool's Love or Foolish Love. I think it was written by a guy named Junichi Tanizaki. It was about okay. the, um, somewhere around the Meiji period, the, the emergence of the Mobos and the Moga, Mogarus. Moga? Mm-hmm. Moga. The Moga and the Mobo, the modern girls and the modern boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a pretty fascinating book. Huh. It was basically talking about how the Japanese were beginning to assimilate Western culture, eating mm-hmm. meat and mm-hmm. hanging out, more independence and mm-hmm. self-expression. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. Okay, I'll have to find out what the English title of that is at some point. It, uh, they named it after the, the main female character, I believe. Hmm. Was there anything else that you like? Like, um, I'm trying to think for myself, uh, when I, I hadn't really studied Japanese before I came here, uh, certainly not Japanese literature, but after arriving here, um, my homestay father, he lent me a copy of... Um, Okuno Hosomichi, the narrow road north, mm-hmm. a bilingual version with really interesting, beautiful art in it. And uh, God, that was amazing. Like reading it, I was just blown away. That's Absolutely cool. blown away. Yeah. Uh, I guess I can't say I've read anything in literature that, in, at least in Japanese literature, that's like totally blown me away as far as just like, wow, amazing. Because mm-hmm. um, my Japanese teacher, awesome guy, a bit old fashioned. Mm. We read a lot of the classics. Like Genji no Monogatari. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the we Tale did, of Genji. The Tale of Genji. We did read um, one of Murakami Haruki's books. I don't remember. Something about a sheep. Something about a sheep. The Sheep's Adventure. So I can't quite remember it. it huh. Obviously, it didn't stick with me because I don't remember the title. Yeah. I think that could have been a better book. To but me either. I mean, like Norwegian Wood, uh, Wind Up Bird Chronicle, more recently, 1984, Ichikyo Hachiyon. Right. Have you read any of that? Nope. I read it, like, I, I gotta say, I don't know, like, I've, I'm getting to the point where I don't understand why I'm reading his books anymore. <laughs> He's a difficult read. He's a very unique author, and the way he writes is very, I want to say, cryptic, or in yeah. the Japanese, say, I am I. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I liked uh, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle, but there was this, like, 90-page basically like a historical novel inside of the novel that didn't really seem to have a place in the book. And then the mm. end of the book was really abrupt and I felt like nothing was really resolved. And I felt like throughout the book, there were a whole bunch of MacGuffins sort of like cul-de-sacs where like this should have a meaning later in the book, but it doesn't. It's never visited again. Yeah. A lot of weird things like that. Um, and 1984, although it really flowed well, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess there was a, a you know like a, a a plot that actually with a beginning and you know a climax mm-hmm. and a denouement. 
I don't know. I, I'm. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to read his next book. Let me yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> the Walk Away. I feel like I'm not getting anything of substance, and maybe that's what he's going for. I'm not. I'm not sure. I haven't read enough of his books to form a personal opinion. Just. But he's an amazing writer. Oh yes, yeah. I can that understand. I, I can. I mean, he's up for the prize, and I can understand if he gets it. I um, really enjoyed, yeah. you know, a book series. It wasn't. He's not a full-on novelist, but um, Hoshishinichi. He writes a bunch of like science fiction short stories, mm-hmm. and we read a lot of those in my Japanese, my Japanese literature course that was strictly in Japanese. But um, uh, the guy, you know, he put a lot of, he broached a lot of really good subtext. You know, mm-hmm. sorry, that's re- um, relevant to Japanese society and culture, like the tatemai versus the honne. Sure, what sure. you say versus what you think. And there was an amazing yeah. book called Kata no Ue no Hisho, the the parrot on your shoulder or the. Something about it was about a robot parrot. Everyone had a robot parrot in the oh. story. And um, the people would converse with each other, but not directly. They would say exactly what they wanted to say to the parrot. And then and give tatemai to everyone else. Exactly. And the parrot would uh, rephrase it in a nicer way. <laughs> and it was... It Sounds was, like Japanese culture. In exactly. It was amazing. It was, it was like, damn, nail on the head on that one. <laughs> well, enough about literature. Uh, you you studied Japanese, mm. and, but you hadn't come over here yet. Right. And then when did you first come to Japan? The very first time was in the summer of 2011. My girlfriend at the time, uh, the, the girl who I ended up marrying and then later divorcing, um, she was two years older than me. Mm-hmm. She majored in Japanese language and literature. Mm-hmm. So she de- graduated before me naturally and found work in Kagoshima City on the island of Kyushu. Mm-hmm. So I came to visit her for three weeks. Nice. So that was your summer. first trip to Japan. And what did you see and do in Kagoshima? Oh, gosh. Well, the biggest thing was basically the volcano. Mm-hmm. She was with an eyes, eyes view of Sakurajima. Wow. I think one of Japan's most active volcanoes. Mm-hmm. Um, amazing. It erupted many times. Quite beautiful. It, it, did it erupt in the three weeks that you were there? Or was there oh, any minor? Multiple times. Wow. When I say eruption, just like expelling large amounts of gas and ash. like To the yeah. point where like, you know... The thing that tickled me the most about being here is on the weather forecast, Mm -hmm. they had a forecast for volcanic ash, which way the wind was blowing, where ash would fall. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you'd walk out some days and you could drag your finger across the ground and just have an ass ass load of ash on your finger. An ass load of ash. I was was like, I was saying that as I was saying, I was like, does that make, that's hard to say. (laughs) We've got uh, the Mount Asama here, which is always kind of puffing and, you know. But not like Sakurajima. Sakurajima is like massive plumes ours is more like a little fart yeah yeah although every three or four or five years it does erupt and right. then, uh, the, uh, apparently it's not going to come our way it's going to head the other direction so yeah speaking of which i was at Oniyoshidashi not too long ago i love that place that place is cool yeah it's like a moonscape almost i know all that pumice that's piled up and what the 1500 people yeah. that died there that day yeah my wife and i i think we visited there a couple times and um Every time I've been there, it's it's been really sunny, like just these bright cobalt blue skies. So the you're you know you're walking among volcanic <laughs> stones, and then you're looking up at the volcano, and then it's just beautifully silhouetted by the sky. It's just a really I don't know, it's a trippy place. And the shrine there, or excuse me, the temple is uh, is it a temple or a shrine? I think it's a shrine. It's been a while since I've been there. 
is is gorgeous. Yeah, it is beautiful. That red on that. Yeah, it's quite a sight, especially if you do to go there on a blue day because you you're dealing with so many unique feelings. You got the serene blue sky as you're walking through the path of like basically death and destruction. Death and destruction. The remnants, a skeleton of all that death. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> they sell ice cream and yeah, kids are running <laughs> around too. I, I took my <laughs> my eldest daughter there when she I think she was like two. And we, we did the little tour, the little walking tour, and yeah, it's a beautiful place. Um, so you spent three weeks in Kagoshima. Yeah. And you're like, I like this place. I want to come back. I want to Not Kagoshima, back. though. That place was fucking hot. Well, Japan. Japan, yeah. At this point, I had been studying Japanese for two years. And uh, thankfully for that, it prevented me from missing a flight. Because mm. uh, flew, I flew to Haneda and then had to go to the domestic airport. And I was... I was running late and I was like looking at my tickets like, oh God, this plane departs in 20 minutes. So I'm like, All right, what's the <laughs> Japanese word for late? I'm asking, excuse me, am I going to be late? I'm going here. And like, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I go through line, put my thing through the luggage scanner and they're like, all right, boarding pass. So I hand them my boarding pass. They're like, oh, that's not your boarding pass. That's your barcode to go to the kiosk to print out your boarding pass. I'm like, oh, you're oh okay. joking. Okay. So I got to get out of line, get my boarding pass printed, and get back at the end of the line. Wow. And all of a sudden, this uh, woman comes by. She's like, all right, last call for this flight to Kagoshima. I'm like, oh, that that's me. That's me. I'm like pointing my finger. They're, they're like, oh, shit. They pull me out of line. They push me to the front. They quickly scan my shit through. And I was basically the second to last person on that flight. <laughs> I didn't feel too bad because the, actually the last guy was a Japanese guy. So I was like, all right. <laughs> so I'm not that gaijin. <laughs> These foreigners being late all the time. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we got there, um, spent most of those three weeks in Kagoshima. We just spent three days in Kyoto. Mm-hmm. That was nice too. Yeah, seeing all the temples and shrines there. Yeah. Did you hit all the major spots like Kiyomizu Temple? We saw, yeah, I saw Kiyomizu Dera. We saw Nijojo. King Kakuji. Gin King Kakuji. Didn't see Gingakuji. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we saw Kyoto Tower. Yeah. Um, what else did we do? There was another castle we went to I don't remember the name of can you imagine if that place had been bombed during World War II I think it was Reichauer that said look we probably shouldn't bomb there right yeah because what was that. the old capital <laughs> let's bomb the new one yeah which they did yeah. um, Grave of the Fireflies <laughs> hell of a movie great movie <clears throat> I actually watched that in Japanese when I came to Japan I, I tear up every time I watch that. I can't watch it without crying. It's such a beautiful, beautiful show. And I haven't showed it to my kids yet because they're still you, too young, I think. And the emotional nuance might go over their heads. Yeah. But, you know, maybe when, they, when they're, when they I don't know, 10, 11, 12, mm. we can watch that together. Um, after that, you can show them Barefoot Genji or Barefoot Gen. Barefoot Gen. I don't think I've heard of that one. I'm That's another one note. about, you know, the war and the nuclear take a, bomb. Take a memo real quick. And when, that one's pretty graphic when the bomb goes off interesting um this week we're watching the boy and the beast ah yeah Bakemono no Ko. yeah everyone that was huge last year all the all the kids were into that yeah i still haven't seen it i wanted to watch it in english because i'm trying to get them exposed to as much english as possible right so finally that's available in english and so <laughs> that's what we're watching this week um sorry one more time barefoot again barefoot again okay let's check that out um, <clears throat> so that was three weeks and then you're like well I want to I come back to Japan this is fun I want to do it again properly right. and so you how did you apply for what, what kind of a job are you doing now you want to talk about that a little bit oh yeah yeah so you know, I 
at this point, you know, I was already strongly into the culture and the language two years in as far as, you know, college study. And I was like, yeah, that pretty much cemented what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And at that point, though, when I, when I started studying Japanese, I didn't know there were programs that paid foreigners to come to Japan to teach English. Mm-hmm. I learned that through my ex-wife and a few of her mutual friends that all come to do it. I was like, oh, you can do that? That sounds pretty fun. Yeah. And then um, I finished up my degree at UGA, but I spent two years trying to apply to the JET program because that was the big name in English teaching. Didn't get accepted? I didn't even get the interview two times. Really? I applied over the course of two years and never got an interview. So I started applying to, I went on Gaijinpot and I started applying to all the mm. Aikaiwa I could find in some of the areas I wanted to go to. Like I was looking at Hokkaido, near Kyoto. Mm-hmm. I was trying to avoid Tokyo. Um, yeah. I came across this company called A to Z in Nagano, they mm-hmm. had no online presence. So I didn't, there was no reviews about them. Right. They had one website and I rarely go by the websites as far as, you know, forming an opinion. But, um, I got three interviews mm-hmm. and I got, were they like, all, like through Skype or something? Oh yeah. yeah they were all through Skype. Yeah. Um, one, one interview was just terrible. In what sense? Well, this, it was through this, it was for this like preschool near Kyoto. I think Shiga near mm-hmm. Shiga mm-hmm. by Lake Biwa. Mm-hmm. And, um, the woman I was interviewing with, her camera wasn't working. Okay. So she could see me, but I couldn't see her. Uh-huh. And that creates a weird kind of conversation. Yeah, it was wild. She was asking me all the typical questions like, why do you want to be a teacher? Why are you interested in Japan? And I can't see her face, so I can only hear her voice. And nothing that I said seemed to interest her. Everything had this kind of like downward intonation. She was like, oh, I see. Interesting. Mm. And I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know to chalk that up to maybe not being a native speaker or she just really didn't want. There's people mm, like that. Yeah. that are just, they just, uh, how can I put it? They're very anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like she was trying to imitate like what, Ben Stein or somebody. <laughs> so you were like, I'm not into this. Well, I mean, if she had called me back, I probably would have done a second interview, but I never got a second interview. Okay. And then this company called A to Z. And how did their interview process go? Was it with the Japanese national or with the... With A to Z? Yeah. Ah, I first got a call from a uh, Japanese national who was mm-hmm. working in the headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, she called me for an interview. We chatted. For, I can't remember if it was like 40 minutes, so an hour. Mm-hmm. But she was very positive. She had a really good grasp of English, intonation, you mm-hmm. know, expressing how she felt. Mm-hmm. And I felt pretty good about that after the interview. And mm-hmm. I got some a few more email correspondence back from her. She's like, we'd like to interview you again. Mm-hmm. This time you'll be speaking with one of our trainers who's from Australia. Mm-hmm. And that conversation went really well as so well. A to Z is um, national? And they have school like it, connections with schools all I over Japan? I believe it's Nagano only. Nagano only. Nagano okay. only. Okay. Um, an Australian guy? You, I'm sorry, what was the... Yeah, yeah, the trainer. He was from Australia, but okay. he'd been But in he's Japan. working in Nagano. Yeah, he'd been here for like eight or nine years. How days. did you feel like about coming to Nagano? Like of all the places you would have liked to work <laughs> in Japan, was Nagano in your top five, top ten places? No. How do you feel about it now, now that you're in Nagano? Well, I studied a bit about Nagano before, you know, I made any decisions. And it's, it's cold. It's cold. I love the cold, though. I, okay. tried to, I tried to find work in Hokkaido. Do you ski or snowboard or do anything like <laughs> that? Because people who come here, they usually tend to get into that. Yeah, uh, I actually snowboarded for the first time last uh, winter. How'd that go? Terribly. <laughs> like ass pain, falling oh, on God, your the, over and over the, again? The first time, man. The very first Did time. Did you skateboard as a kid? Mm, I rollerbladed. Same 
basic principle. Yeah, I mean, it probably would have been better on moving. Yeah, but on rollerblades, you can independently move your feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and you, you get yeah. that. Well, you know, they have that new snowboard that's split in the center, so you can independently move your feet. I don't have one of those. I bought a 900 yen one from a local recycle shop. 900? That's like $9. It, it's, it is like $9. <laughs> yeah, it's this bad boy right here. Nice. Still in pretty decent shape. I, uh, I used to snowboard a lot, but then I had uh, meniscus problems with my, uh, with my knee. So I decided in a surgery. So I decided to sell my. Do you need a towel? Nah, I'm good. I'm good. Just actually, there's some tissues over there. Oh, there you go. So I decided to uh, to sell my board to a friend of mine. But now that, that I'm healed and I feel like I've got some some motion again, like I definitely want to go back up at some point. Maybe when my kids get a little bit bigger and they start pestering me. To yeah, take eventually them up to the, the school will start taking them, won't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my I know my um, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth graders they end up. Snowboarding or skiing. But neither of those activities are particularly good for the knee. And I've already got pretty weak knees to begin no, with. Yeah. So. No, man. My first time out in the slopes, uh, my neighbor, Ryan, who is a pretty seasoned snowboarder, I believe, like 15 years experience. A Canadian. He's a bit of a, he was, <laughs> he was a bit of a sink or swim kind of teacher. And I, I appreciate that. He took me on a pretty difficult slope my first time. Just follow me, bro. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, yeah, I'll be fine. You got this. easy. And I'm tumbling down the whole way. Yeah. I'm up and then I'm on my ass. Did you eventually get to a point where you could stand up and navigate? Or Yeah. I think the second time out, I was able to um, yeah. stay up and kind of doing this Z pattern, going oh. like staying forward because I hadn't learned how to cut the do edges. Do the S turns. Do the S turns. Still haven't yeah. done S turns yet. But, um, and that first so that's time. where you're at. You're just kind of like zigzagging down the mountain. Yeah. You got to keep going up then. You got oh, yeah. to keep trying. So this, this winter, are you in, intending to do some more snowboarding? Yes. This is your second year in Japan, right? Yes. Are you content in Nagano or are you looking to get into a different city no, or a I different countryside area? I love... Actually, you know, I was watching Lost in Translation the other night. And okay. Kind of watching Bill Murray's character, interacting with Scar- Scarlett Johansson's character. And there's like, Tokyo is a massive city with millions of people in, and yet it's still isolating. It's more isolating. And, I agree. And... Um, I've never felt lonelier in my life than the year that I spent in Tokyo, I think. Mm. And I was there with uh, a group of people from Oregon that were doing homestay. And so you would think that, I, I mean, I don't know. I, Unless I, you I, have I like don't a, know what it is. It's the anonymity, the shit, like the number of, it's like being in an ant farm. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, as the movie shows, unless you have somebody to experience it with, it, it can be a terrible place yeah. for, for an individual's psyche. Speaking of the city, Ryan, your former roommate, yeah, he's now in Yokohama, which is very close to Tokyo. It's basically like minutes. the sprawl of Tokyo. Yeah, 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 exactly. How's he? How's he doing over there? As far as I, as far as he said, he's loving it. Okay, but, but he has a girlfriend, right? A yes. local girlfriend. So yeah, from Tokyo. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. He must be just living it up. Yes. I think that city would do well with his personality. Absolutely, he's a nut. And so, you know, he'd blend right in. I think. I think he'd agree with you. Is he going out at night, doing karaoke, doing all that good stuff? Like, what's his... If he drinks, he'll do karaoke. Yeah, okay. But, um, yeah, he's definitely going out and enjoying the sights and checking out beer shops and wine it's shops. It's a great place to visit. I mean, like... Yeah, I'm going nothing... there this weekend, actually. Yeah, I mean, if you have a weekend to kill, there's no better place on earth. I mean, I don't know. I haven't been to Paris yet, but uh, <laughs> it's convenient. There's trains everywhere. Right. You can just hop a train, and suddenly you're in this new borough that's completely different from the other one like um and from nagano if you catch the bullet train it's all like an hour away yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and uh that's 
what, like a hundred bucks though? One way from Sakudaira is like 60 bucks. Okay, so 120 round trip. for round trip. Yeah. That's not bad. It's not terrible. I usually take the Kosoku Express bus. It's mm-hmm. 25, about $25 one way. I've done that too, but then I, I, I always end up getting stuck in traffic for like four hours or something like that. I've been fortunate not to experience that yet. Yeah, but it's the cheap way. Yes, it is. Uh, I, I believe in America we call it riding the dog. What? Do we? The Greyhound? Oh, I never took public transportation in America. <laughs> so you've never ridden the dog, I think. No, it. I have not. Never never rode the metro in Atlanta. But you're taking the dog to Tokyo. So that's, yep. yeah. It's the same thing. It's uh, kind of, you're on a, well, actually it's not. Um, Japanese buses are a lot better than American Greyhounds in yeah. terms of, I think, comfort and cleanliness. That's for and sure. you're not going to have a crazy person next to you trying to talk to you about Lord Yahweh or something. <laughs> right. Ryan did. He, was, he, he took a bus down one weekend and I was here to get texting. He was like, this guy in this bus smells like shit. I literally think he pooped his pants. In, in Japan. In Japan. He's like, he was texting me the whole way. He's like, this bus stinks. <laughs> oh, fuck. Ah. <laughs> well, it does have its moments. The city yeah. especially. Like, I remember one time I was... Uh, on the train, and uh, there was a, I want to th- say he was homeless, but he was a drunk guy. And every time the train would stop and the doors would open, he would just hang his head out and go, and puke Ugh. onto yep. <laughs> and the crowd of people that were waiting to get on the train would just be like, Ugh, and they'd like step back. Now, admittedly, I've only seen that happen once in the year that I, I was in Tokyo, but yeah, I mean, there are... Undesirables. Yep. <laughs> Every city. country has them. Yeah. So you're happy in Nagano. How yes. long do you see yourself doing this? In like, Japan? Like just living or working or? Yeah. Like what's your long term? <clears throat> give me give me your five year, your 10 year. Like what's what's your end game? Well, my end game is to pay off student loans. But uh, Okay. So, I mean, right now it, it's pretty, really sweet out here. I mean, I love the house I'm in. Are you I'm saving in. up money? Are you paying off your loans? I'm saving a little, paying off a little. Mm-hmm. I got bills. And you still have enough to get into Tokyo and party it up every now and again? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good, because nice. when I worked in Tokyo for an English conversation school, I had no money. Probably it, went like, off to rent or something. Yeah, it was weird. It was basically just poverty level wages. And that was after being an ALT in Nagano. And so I was just like, oh, fuck this. I'm not, I'm not doing that. And I got out of there within four months. Yeah, I thought well, the cost of living out here is a little bit easier yeah. on your Better wallet. salary, uh, better cost of living. And then I are you... Are they helping you out with this place that you're staying in? Yes, it, it's subsidized through the Board of Education, so uh-huh. rent is uh, nominal. Like how much? Under $100 US. Jesus, that, is, that really is nominal. That's yeah. like nothing. That's just like, well, it looks bad if we don't make them pay something. So yeah. how about 100 bucks? You know? And this is, this is really nice. Like um, you've got, is it three rooms? Yes. This room, the room next to this one, and then, and then the, there's the kitchen slash dining room, and then you've got like a living room. Right. Living room slash bedroom slash everything I do in the house room. In, in Tokyo, this would probably be like a thousand, at least a thousand dollars, absolutely, a month, if not more. I was paying for well, the size anyway. I think more actually for yeah. a house that's not terribly much bigger than this place in America, like seven hundred dollars a month. Plus, you'd have no view. You'd look out your window and it'd just be people's laundry, the yeah. buildings. Whereas here, like looking out the window, blue sky. Tree-covered hills. They call them mountains here, but, you know, hills. (laughs) They're basically just hills. I'm I'm from Oregon. (laughs) Mountains and hills. We we distinguish between the two, but it's funny. Like, in Japan, um, my family has, like, a really, really, really small hill with trees on it that we, like, 
we draw firewood from. And they call it the, the mountain. <laughs> it's like the mountain, like well, from Game of Thrones. Not not that in that sense, I don't think. But like <laughs> they call it a mountain, even though it's like the smallest little hill. Uh, y- Yama, they call it Yama. So, it's like, I mean, they have a word for hill. It's like they just choose not to use it. Yeah, there is a word for hill. Um, Oka. Oka. But I never hear that. Other than in people's names. Right, right, I mean, right, it's, right. It's used in names and stuff like that, but I've never heard people refer to a hill as a hill, which is kind of strange because we live in the mountains. Right. And so, like, the difference between a hill and a mountain, I think, would be pretty salient. Whereas if you're from Tokyo, everything's a mountain. So I can understand yeah. them calling, like, hills mountains. <laughs> but um, do you... What do you? What else do you do out here in Nagano that's sort of location specific? Because we we've got winter sports. Mm. There's um, there's mountain climbing. Um, what have you been doing in your year and a half here? I'm not big on mountain climbing. I like a pretty gentle stroll mm-hmm. through wooded areas. I don't like going uphill too much. You're a trekker. I'm a trekker. Mm-hmm. My neighbor is huge in the mountain climbing and rock climbing, though. He'd be better to ask about that. Uh, around here, I like. Doing karaoke. Mm-hmm. I like going out for drinks down in. Sakurai Are there Island. places? Oh, okay, you you go into Saku City. Yeah. To do karaoke and things like that. Yeah, I have which would be called karaoke in America in English. <laughs> I I love telling teaching the kids you know how the Americans say things like karaoke, karaoke, Harry Carey, manga, manga, <laughs> anime, uh-huh. anime. <laughs> They're like, well, Honda, not Honda, Toyota. You know, yeah, that you know, I didn't even notice the Honda versus Honda difference right. until like my fifth year in. I, maybe because I just wasn't talking about cars, but like, but yeah, every single and you know, Westerners who are in Japan, they tend to gripe about the mispronunciation of English words. So like, coffee, you can you can transliterate coffee as coffee right. in Japanese, katakana, hiragana, no problem. But the actual katakana is kohi. So people will hear that and they'll be like, what the fuck? Like, is it like, why is everything like the, the pronunciation of English? Why is it so shitty? But it's the same thing when you have a Japanese word that's become Americanized yep. in reverse. So I, I guess I guess it's just a natural human thing to take a word and, and botch it. Really. Right. Yeah. When I'm when I'm with English speaking people, I tend to use the English pronunciations. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking with Japanese people, I switch to the Japanese pronunciations. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you like karaoke? Mm, I love karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> what do you sing when you go into karaoke? Oh, uh, okay. A little bit of everything. I like. Uh, who do I say? I like singing Frank Sinatra. Oh, I love singing Frank Sinatra. Um, That's about the only thing I can sing. Yeah, he, his his voice kind of fits right within my vocal ability range. But you're a musician, range. so you you kind of got that. You can, you know what I mean. You play the piano. People tell me that I can sing all right. And the guitar. Yep. And you used to play in a band, right? And the saxophone. Were you a singer? Or were you in a saxophone? Were you a singer in the band, or what was your? Oh uh, no, well, my um, my friend who's actually living in Nagoya right now um, was the screamer. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. not the singer, the screamer. The screamer. And uh, <laughs> I composed most of the music, played piano and guitar. Albeit, I had only been playing the car, guitar for like a year and a half at this point, so it wasn't great beyond a couple of power chords and a few, you know, E chords and E minor, D minor, all the minor chords. What music do you listen to? Do you listen to any Japanese music these oh, days? Oh, I love Japanese music. What's I, your, can you give a favorite? Oh, God. Um, 
I can list a handful. X Japan has always been one of my biggest um, inspirations. Like I, I want, I wanted to learn to play guitar because of the guitarist from X Japan, hmm. who unfortunately died in '98, I believe. But um, that was another thing that I. It was one of the first Japanese bands I got into was X-Japan because they had this kick-ass sound. They were like 10 years late, but, you know, like in the 80s and 90s, the hair metal, thrash metal mm-hmm. bands were starting to become a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I've never heard of X-Japan. So I'll have to let you listen to some in a what, little bit. Uh, what genre is it? They started off as like, you know, I don't want to say speed metal. They were kind of similar mm-hmm. to like Judas Priest, Iron Maiden. That's probably why I haven't heard of it. I, yeah. I never really got into metal or... or but. I'm not opposed to it. Mm. So, I mean, that's all you should watch some of their mid eighties, late eighties stuff. And you, it's like looking into the, it's, it's looking into the past, even though it wasn't, it was like 20 years ago or something like that. There's like, for me, it's, it's like, I feel like music at that speed and tempo with that intensity should be put to a purpose. So if mm. I was going to listen to it, I think I'd want to be snowboarding or, or like exercising or something like that. Right. Well, they yeah. also did a, they're also very famous for their rock ballads or just ballads in general. In the late mid '90s, they kind of went more progressive mm-hmm. and kind of left like the the '80s metal sound mm-hmm. and became I don't know I guess progressive is you know what the internet usually calls it. So that's your favorite. That's my favorite. X Japan. Mm-hmm. On a day to day basis, what kind of Japanese music are you listening to? Oh, I listen to a band called Muku. 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 Muku is really good. Okay. Um, Amazarashi. Never heard of any I, of these I haven't heard of them, that guy, until last year when my co-workers recommended it. Mm-hmm. Um, some anime fans might rec- remember the band. I think they did one of the ending themes for a show called Tokyo Ghoul. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I was just listening to the band. Um, Diran Gray is a huge... I'm a huge fan. I saw them four times when they came to the you're States. so avant-garde. I don't know any of these musicians that you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> How about Maximum the Hormone? No. They, they did the what theme. a name, though. Maximum the Hormone. Uh, Amazing band. <laughs> Amazing band. Um, as far as more low-key stuff, I guess, um, I always like listening to the, the Ghibli okay. scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. Finally, you're touching on something I've heard yeah. about. Joe Hisaishi's coming to Nagano at the end of July. Okay, yeah. He's doing his uh, Mononoke. My kids like that stuff. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I love yeah. I play a lot of his music on the piano. That's like full symphony. Yeah. Like, you know, it has a, almost like a classical feel to it, but it's not classical. It's just... Um, I don't, how would you describe it? What's you know when you hear his stuff, you know it's him. He has right. a very, even though it's pretty standard orchestra, like it, it it's his sound. Mm-hmm. Like you know if you hear a John Williams score, mm-hmm. or um, that's the only other <laughs> yeah. uh, guy's name I can remember off the top of my head without looking it up on the, my phone. You ever listen to music that the kids like at school? For example, Green. Oh, Green. I I know I need to because uh, one of the girls were one of the girls were writing the music. Lyrics from a green song on her yeah. desk. I like Back Number, actually. Back Number, okay. Back Number's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Bump of the Chicken was also Bump of big. Chicken. Bump, Bump of Chicken? Bump of Chicken. Was, which I believe was... Uh, somebody probably looked up ch- like Chicken Bumps, Torinohada. Aha, uh-huh, right. I think. Yeah. And then they just botched the English is what I'm, what I'm guessing. That mm. was big maybe, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. I guess, yeah. You know, all the kids, I'm like, oh, what's, what, what kind of music should I be listening to? Mm-hmm. And I made that mistake of asking junior high school students, and most of it was like AKB48 or SKB48 or any of the numbers that end in 48. I don't hear that, thankfully. Yeah. Green, green I hear a lot of. Back number um, is probably the most common music I hear at my school. A lot of kids are listening to Western music, too, like yeah, but, Ariana Grande or, or whatnot. Oh, they love Ariana Grande and Justin yeah. Bieber. Yeah. Or uh, uh, what's that uh, boy band from Britain? 
One Direction. Wonder, oh, One Direction is it's still huge here. Yeah, quite quite huge. Um, a lot of my students like Taylor Swift. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. My last year's third graders at the junior high school that was their big thing was Taylor Swift. Um, yeah. Sometimes when I get sometimes I have a teacher that takes a day off or needs to go somewhere and I have the class to myself and some days it's just it's just Mm self-study so I have like a mixed CD I just put on of you know what's like current in America and let let them listen to that nice I I bet they really like that yeah (laughs) I write the track numbers on the board name and song title I'm like all right because we go through the CD and like which one do you want to hear again like oh number one please (laughs) (laughs) you're like Okay, this. Okay, this. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you probably came to Japan because you're interested in the language and the culture. Yeah. But you came here as a teacher. Yeah. So, what's it like being? And you're a junior high school teacher, is that right? Well, I, I do junior high Monday through Thursday. I do daycare on Fridays, and every Tuesday night I have two adult classes. How's that going for you? Good. Yeah. I mean, do I you, think. I mean, like. Uh, did you have any experience teaching before you came? I used to tutor a Japanese language at my college. Mm-hmm. My Japanese teacher recommended or suggested I should do it. She says she felt confident in my ability mm-hmm. to teach it. Mm-hmm. So for a year and a half, two years, I worked in the language lab at my college. And mm-hmm. people came to me for you know tutoring for Japanese if they needed it. And I really liked helping people. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you teach someone, you can see in their eye, like this little light turn on and like oh Wait, I, they get it i get it yeah and that feels great yeah it, that you can help someone get that because you know when i was learning my teacher did that for me uh-huh. and it was because of that i was like you know i could probably teach english in japan maybe that'd be fun are you doing team teaching or yes okay how's that going good yeah okay it's going good i actually you know i've before coming to Japan, I read a lot of you know blogs and horror stories, and it all depends on the teacher. Absolutely, you, you have, for the most part, I, uh-huh. I would think. I don't think I have any teachers I dislike working with. I, Not yeah, that you I could say all. it on the air, but yeah, right. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> if I if I if I felt that way, I probably still would say. It. But no, all my teachers are really awesome. That's good. And That's all, good. all their English is actually very good. I, I got a good crop of teachers this year too. No complaints at all. But I've had some horror stories in the past. That's mm. good that your first. That critical first, you know, year, year and a half yeah. year was with good teachers. That can certainly cement your opinion or change it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we do team teaching. Um, we got some really, all my teachers have really good instincts. Like they, they know when to utilize me for what. Mm-hmm. Um, daycare is fun. It's basically just me. The teachers kind of sit in the back and watch, you know, if I need help, I'll ask them, like, how do you say this in Japanese? Hoikuen. Hoikuen, right. Is it, there's, there's, um, First year, second year, third year, Hoikuen. Right. Are you teaching them all or just Nencho, the... Nencho, Nencho, Right, yeah. I am. Okay, yeah, And sometimes too. the yeah. baby class. Okay. Which yeah, is... I've never taught the baby class. <laughs> I came in one day and like, oh, um, can you, in Japanese, of course, can you, can you, 10 minutes with baby class? I was like, why not? Sure. That's what I'm here I for. wasn't prepared for this, but let's give it a shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the good thing about being a musician is that if anybody whips out a keyboard or a guitar, if you bring your own, Actually, it's all, showtime. All my Hoi Quins have pianos in them mm-hmm. in all the rooms. So you can always just break out like... I'm constantly playing like head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to learn an instrument just for how great it would be in the English class, like the <laughs> guitar or something like that. It's fun, especially with you know games like well, uh, songs like head, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, where there's mm-hmm. a... I can play the 
at whatever I speed I want. Yeah. And the kids just lose their minds. They're always yeah. like, faster, <laughs> faster. And it gets to the point where I can't play any faster. These kids, they're not even actually doing, they're just slapping their bodies they just up want and to down. They how fast you can do it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, get their jive on. Uh, yeah, that's my biggest problem has been any video of head, shoulders, knees, and toes that I have cuts out at a speed that's not satisfactory to the students. They want to they go faster. Right. So what I'll, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just turn off the video and start clapping my hands at a super fast speed and then just you know, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, doing it that way, you know. Right. Um, but, yeah, being able to play mus- a, a musical instrument would so help teaching, I think. Mm. Mm. I'm going to have to start learning on that. One of my JTEs, uh, Japanese teachers of English, he, he whips out his guitar every once in a while in class. Really? Yeah. That's a, I've never even seen that. Yeah. Actually, there's a few teachers at my school. There's a an elementary school teacher who does that too. I've never ever seen a teacher whip out a musical instrument yeah. in English class. It's ever. awesome. He's a great teacher. God, that sounds rad. All right. So uh, we are back from our break with dick butt coffee in hand. Hashtag no context. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that all of our listeners know what dick butt is, but you have a very nice dick butt mug. Thank you. Very beautiful. And the coffee inside, I got to say, this is quite impressive. This is the closest I've had to bulletproof coffee in in probably half a year. I used to make it quite regularly with Mm. like the full on MCT. This is the coconut version, which I actually like because it's got a better flavor. What what was that? That's probably another one of my doors closing. (laughs) Probably the kitchen door. (laughs) Now that we're back. Just trying to think if there were any gaps. I mean, our introduction of you was kind of um, hit and miss. We were jumping all over the place. Right, and right. And did we miss anything? Should we do a quick recap? Or we? I mean, we could. Uh, a TLDR. Okay, real, really quickly, try and answer every question I give you within 30 seconds. All right. Where, do you, where are you from? Born and raised in Texas, lived there for eight years, moved to Michigan, lived there for three years, moved to Georgia, lived there for like 16, 17 years. Of those three places, which do you like best? I really liked Michigan. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of colder climates, snow and all that. But Would you say you like Michigan better than Japan? <clears throat> no. No. Okay. Uh, how old are you? I'm 28. Uh, how many sexual partners have you had? Two. That's seriously? Well, I guess. 28? Just two? Well, I mean. That's what the young kids are doing these days? I've had sex with. Keeping two. their dick in their pants? Sexual relations, I guess you count three. Sex with two. Uh, three <laughs> girls sexually involved with one. First of all, I'm surprised that you even answered this. This was completely tongue in cheek right from the beginning. Thank you for your honesty. Oh, I'm a pretty open book. <laughs> You're basically a monk. You could be living in a temple. <laughs> I, I guess I could be. The people I was involved with, I was involved with frequently. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. But we won't get into your sex life anymore <laughs> unless you want to. Uh, Hoping to work on that while I'm here. <laughs> if, if Mike was here, this would have totally spun off. You could have had a whole podcast dedicated to that. <laughs> um, how many months have you been in Japan now? Months? Months. I got here last March, March, April, May, June. I guess one month. So three, One year and three months. Did you go through an excitement phase? Did you go through a homesickness <clears throat> phase? Did you feel euphoric, um, depressed? I was fortunate to know what I was getting into before I got here. So I wouldn't, I haven't felt homesick. I miss my family, but I've never had any strong driving emotions that made me feel like I wanted to go back. So then you would say it's more euphoric, like, yeah, I mean, this this is kind of, this has been my dream for five or six years. And And it's finally come to fruition. Right, right. This is 
How long do you think you'll be here in Japan? Like before you decide, are you going to be a lifer like me? We'll see. I guess that'll depend on what happens. Is that a possibility? You're not going to. Yeah, I'm not ruling it out. It is a possibility. Okay. And now that you are single, Mm. it's quite possible for you to hook up with a local. Yep. Get married into a farm like me. And next thing you know, you're working the land. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) Also not ruling that out. So there's no um, definite plans to return right. to the States. Exactly. You're in your second year and you see yourself going into the third year, like a strong... You're, oh, you're absolutely. Like 90% yeah. sure that's going to happen. Yeah. Same company or you want to move around? You, as long as I can stay here, then yeah. <clears throat> okay. Um, what's your favorite thing about Japan? Ooh. Or uh, this, I guess the, the safety. I feel safe here. You feel like you're threatened in the States? Your safety is in I, peril? In, compa- in comparison, I feel it's safer here. Like, I don't... Like I, I, I heard Texas is pretty wild. Yeah, it can be. I haven't been back in 20 years. So, okay. Well, 20, 19 years. But, like, before... I used to have, like, two handguns in Georgia. One I kept on me. I have a concealed carries permit. Mm-hmm. But um, I sold them before I moved here. Are you a member of, uh, uh, what is it called? The NRA? Yeah, the no, NRA. No, no, I'm not. You're not a card-carrying gun fanatic? I was never one of those people that was like, yeah, guns, guns, guns. You're like, I just want to be able to protect myself when the apocalypse comes. Yeah, absolutely, the zombies, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> have you ever had to fire a weapon? At a person? No, outside of a range, no. Okay. How, have you? Did you often go to the range to brush up your skills? Yeah, I went, I would say semi-frequently, at least once a month. Okay. Is, Hopefully, are, were guns part of your family or, or like your group of friends and whatnot? Was that a, a cultural started, thing? I started shooting guns, I guess, when I was like around 10, 9, 10, 11. Yeah, I, I would like you to just say it in a more southern accent. Like, I started shooting guns when I was like <laughs> 10 or 11. My southern accent sounds like... You don't have one. No, I don't. Which it's, is kind of surprising. So it sounds very from. mocking when I put one on. <laughs> I... I'm glad that the United States has like the Boston accent, the New York accent, the Southern accent, and like the California like surfer dude accent. If we didn't, I think America would be a lot more boring than it already is. But Japan is blessed with like tons of dialects. Yes. There's the Northern dialect, which nobody can even understand. Sugaru Ben, right? Then there is the uh, uh, the Ryukyu dialect, like down in Osaka, the Osaka Ben, Ben. Osaka Ben, Kansai Ben. Which is kind of like, um, I guess, like more practical and comedic than Kyoto, or, or sorry, than Tokyo's standard <laughs> dialect. Right. Yeah. They, they say the Osakans have more fun. Yeah. And then there's uh, Okinawa, which was like a different culture, different language entirely. Right. And you have the Hokkaido. Uh, there was the Ainu. Again, different culture, different ethnicity. Yeah. Um, and I guess this region had like a, a local, like I've seen posters on onsen uh, walls of like the old phrases, but I don't hear. I mean, I it's pretty standard out here. Yeah, it's not. I think every maybe because of the TV and whatnot. That could be. Uh, is that why you think you don't have a southern accent per se? Is because of like growing up on TV and stuff like that? I'm not sure. You know, growing up in Texas and then moving to Michigan and then moving to Georgia. My, my, my parents don't really have much of an accent. But the people that lived around you did, right? Some people did. Some people like, did. even in Georgia, like, there were the people that tended to have the really thick accents. Um, 
tend to have family members that spoke like that too. It's completely mm-hmm. learned. So maybe I guess you just got to go up in the Appalachians and really get deep before yeah. you can actually hear a substantial accent anymore. My maybe ex-wife's grandfather he had such a thick accent. The first time I met him, I could not understand him. Really? I like literally, I was like looking at my ex-wife. I was like, what did he say? Can you like do an impression? Uh, do you, if you're familiar with Boomhauer from King of the Hill. Uh, yeah, I have, that's a show I haven't watched. Uh, it was kind of like, <clears throat> let's see if I can do it. Damon, you want to come over here and want to mix oh, some, one, make, of the, one of those tractors over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recently, man, there was fucking out of the engine was with sound, and it was just it was like a it was like a southern Ozzy Osbourne, and everything kind of like blends together. Yeah. Okay. There's no okay. periods, commas. Ex- there's no punctuation in his speech. <laughs> well, uh, you're either blessed or not so blessed not to have an accent that I can discern. Right. Um, People I, usually think I'm some type of European guy. Really? I've had people ask me, are you from France? Are you from London? Japanese people or? Both. Americans. Um, Westerns and Asians. Okay. Um, All right. Question, question, question. Um, How many months? What what do you like best about Japan? And you said what? The safety. The safety. Really? That's like why you want to be here because of the safety. But there's safe places all around the world. True, true. What is it that keeps you here? It's hard, it's hard to put a finger on it because like, I've asked myself that question before, but there's a sense of, uh, I want to say serenity. Mm-hmm. Serenity, you know, maybe it's too strong a word. It's just calmness. Okay. It just feels good here. Like I feel like I'm supposed to be here. Okay. Uh, how long have you been single? Legally, since May 17th. Not very long. No. Have you celebrated being single at all? I mean, have you gone out to try and <clears throat> mingle with... The locals at bars or pubs? or No, anything? I haven't. I haven't <clears throat> tried hooking up with anyone yet. Okay. Is um, there anyone you're interested in at your school? Or there are any people. Hotties, any hotties that you like? Oh yeah, she's. There are a few people good. I I find very attractive, mm-hmm. but uh, workplace makes it difficult. Sure, definitely. Do you but know if they're single or not? I don't. There's no ring on the fingers, but a lot of Japanese people don't wear rings <laughs> even when they're married. Though true, so. I've noticed that. I've noticed yeah. that. However, when I take mine off, my wife goes crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, um, okay. Um, There's two subjects I really wanted to talk to you about. And um, we'll start with the one that's related to Japan. Study. Mm. Uh, You studied Japanese before you came here. Right. And then it's a lifetime project. So I assume you're still studying. Passively, unfortunately. But yes, I am still studying. Do you have a goal in mind? Like, for example, the... Japan language proficiency test, the, the JLPT. N one. I would love to pass N one one day. But have you ever taken the JLPT? I have not. So you just jump right in and go for one, not two. I don't know. I, I haven't made up a mind. I mean, two. I, I've never taken. It. I don't know. Test. I failed about. one three times already. Wow. I never put in the sort of. For two, I actually like put in some serious effort to become familiar with the grammar book, become familiar with um, mock tests and things like that. And yeah. I passed it my first time. Um, not with high, particularly high marks, but I passed it. I guess if I was, maybe when there comes a day where I'm interested in leaving the teaching profession, if, um, and I want to get to a business, a lot of those places either want you to have N1 or N2 or, you know, they meet you in person, they can assess your ability face to face. So you actually don't know where you measure up in the language because you've never actually taken a formalized test like the JLPT or Kanjikente. Right. Okay. These days, I'm gunning for 
conjugente. Mm. Just because for the JLPT, when I was when the results came in for N1, all three times that I failed, I noticed that my weakness was kanji and, mm. and probably reading comprehension, the speed at which I read <coughs> kanji, essentially. Right. And so I thought, <coughs> if I brush up my kanji, I should be able to pass this test. And I thought there's probably no better way to brush up my kanji than to just really attack the kanji kente. There's real no... <coughs> Magic way of studying kanji is basically just memorization. Yeah. And being able to or having to write a kanji for the Japanese language test Mm -hmm. is the sort of uh, gold standard for whether or not you can remember it. Right. If you can write the goddamn thing, you can certainly read it on a piece of paper. Personally, I can read more kanji than I can write. Well, Japanese, everybody can. Yeah. I mean, that's the standard line is like Japanese people say, oh, I don't, I don't. Uh, kanji? Pfft, nobody's good at kanji anymore. We got telephones and stuff for that and computers. They can read it. Yeah. They just can't write it. It's um I think it's different areas of the brain. Like like where you remember how to read a kanji is different than the area of the brain used to recall like writing the kanji. I'm, I'm pretty sure those are I'm not a brain doctor, but I'm pretty sure those are different areas of the brain because there's kanji that um, I used to be able to write that I can't write anymore. Right. But if I see them in on the on the page, I'm like, "Oh, I know what that is." Yeah, that's yeah, that's Sheen. That's Atarashi. I can I can read that. I know what it is. But then, actually, I can probably write it too. But like you know, what I'm saying is, even though I can read the kanji, if you told me to write it, yeah, yeah, I'd just be like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> how the fuck does that go? And I'm not right. talking about stroke order. I'm just talking about it's it's nothing. Producing like, the like, image. Yeah, in your head, like producing the image in, in your head. There's nothing. But then if you see it on the page, you're like, oh yeah, I know what that is. Exactly. Um, I wish I had that uh, here. Here, I'll, I'm gonna we're gonna test your abilities. Okay. okay? I'm gonna I'm gonna take out my little. Uh, this is gonna go well. Kanji. <laughs> <laughs> where Where would you like me to begin testing? You mm. at? Grade one, two, three, four, five, six, mm, seven, eight, me. or nine. Surprise me. You want to start simple? We'll sure. start with grade one. I'll pull up a difficult kanji from first grade kanji and see how how well you fare. A kanji that I myself probably wouldn't be able to write, but could read. <coughs> Excuse me. Do you want to test your reading or writing? What we'll start think? with reading. That's probably okay. better than my writing. This should be pretty easy. <laughs> I'm gonna have to write this down. Okay. Okay. We'll do it that way. This should be easy for you, though. What do you, what do you got? It's grass. Okay. Good. Uh, hold on. The reading of it, though. There's so many kanji I know the meaning of, but the pronunciation is is it kusa? Yeah. Yes. Which, when you study kanji, did you do the uh, remembering the kanji at all? No, I basically use my textbooks. Okay. Are you talking about like the Anki? There was there's that series of books called Remembering the Kanji where the guy gives you a mnemonic Hes- but he the doesn't, method? Yeah, but he doesn't He gives offer, you a story. He doesn't offer the actual reading reading and the meaning. He gives you like a story behind the character. <clears throat> Does that actually work? I could see I it helping tried. you remember the image of the kanji, but then yeah. it wouldn't be connected to anything in terms of meaning <laughs> or reading. I you know, I've tried using it once and I didn't like not knowing the reading. The story is great, and you know I can remember the kanji and what it meant. That was always my thing with that too, and I was just like, "Screw this." That's technically what it's referred to then as the Hasig method. I think so. I think it's Hasig. 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 Does anybody actually do that? I had some friends that were studying Japanese that used it pretty exclusively with the Anki map, uh, the Anki app on their phones. Mm-hmm. Let's see. I'm gonna pull up another kanji here for you. Kangairu. Think? Yeah. There you go. There you go. So we're, we're done with grade two. <laughs> Just like that. Finished. <laughs> uh, 
go to grade three now. Gotcha. That's the that's the particle for string ito. Yeah. Is that an arrow pointing to it? Or is that oh no 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 okay yeah yeah that's I see what you're doing there. Uh you know, I recognize that I don't know what it means. Uh, that's Q for like EQ ni Q san Q what Q Oh it's what, a counter? What what level you are? Mm. Ah like oh Joe Q. It's on my that's why I recognize it. Alright. Like my Japanese textbook for three thousand one and up was called Tobita, like Jokue not to Tobikyu? Yeah. Yeah. Jumping levels. Yep. All right, let's go to fourth grade now. I feel like I recently learned that one. Got the particle for water. Is it related to water? Um, yeah, it is. Is yeah. it nagaredu? It's not nagaredu. No. I don't remember. It's, uh, it's the verb hitasu. I don't know that one either. I probably... to be immersed or soaked. Ah, yep, had no idea. And sheen is the own kumi. Okay. So, how is it used in other words? Uh, yeah, like, um, shinto would be permeate to penetrate, something like that. Sounds. It's God. I probably wouldn't be able to to read the verb form of that, <laughs> even though it's a fourth grade kanji. Right. I'm sorry, that's a seventh grade <clears throat> kanji. I jumped forward. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm spitting right now. Uh, it's hard, man. It's fucking it hard. hard. There's, there's, there's over 300 kanji in the seventh grade. Mm. And then there's, I think there's another 300 in the eighth and ninth grade. Yeah. So, yeah, it's those three years, 1,000 kanji coming right at you. Yep. Those are the big, those, that's the thousand that I'm trying to get through right now. And, and that's only half the joyo. Yeah. I, I imagine you probably got about half under your belt, which is probably right I about the same level as me. Probably no more than I think I do, because, mm -hmm. you know, of all the ones I can read. Mm-hmm. And stuff like that, like looking at your medicine thing, like I know that means nose, hana. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember that means fire on fire. It's n, which means inflammation. Ah, well, that but makes can sense. you read them together? I don't know the bn. Uh, none, what bn? Bn, yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to read it together. Which is uh, would be like chronic rhinitis <laughs> or okay. chronic allergies, which is what I have. I, I can be like kafun, house dust. Well, that's not kanji though. Mm. Hanamizu, Hanazumari, Kusami, mm -hmm. Toki. Like, mm -hmm. I can read, you know, the stuff I see on a daily basis I know pretty well, like especially mm -hmm. medications. Well, what I was going to ask you, that I'm not here to, to test your efficiency. <laughs> what I want to ask God. you is, we're all lifetime learners with mm. Japanese. It doesn't really matter how long you've been living in the country or if you've passed N1 or not, you're still learning shit because N1 only teaches you uh, the Joyo kanji and sort of, the, you know, basically prime, um, what am I, what am I saying? Uh, up to junior high school level right. Japanese. And being able to pass N1 doesn't mean you can speak. No, it doesn't. Well. So you're constantly being exposed to new kanji, new grammatical constructs <coughs> and new vocabulary throughout your, your years here in Japan. Yeah. But what is your tactic now that you're in Japan, now that you've finished studying at the university and now that you're like, well... I can be proactive about it and study this way, or I can just kind of like through conver daily conversation pick things up here and there. Like, what are you? What's your strategy? Well, since I came here with a pretty solid base, I would say I'm conversationally fluent at least, mm -hmm. and I can read some things and write a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I tend to learn as I'm speaking. Like, if I come across something I want to say but don't know how to say it, mm -hmm. I'll look it up. Mm -hmm. I'll save it in my phone. I have a application that allows me to bookmark essentially kanji and phrases. 
Are you just when you say look it up, like are you talking about through a um, like an application dictionary or using a, mm. a grammar reference or what do you? Uh, I use an application that basically shows you words and it has a. Which application are you using? I'm using the Android JED Japanese English Dictionary. I believe it's ja Android only. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But you can look, you can look up in Japanese. You can look up words in English. I finally English. broke down and paid for a couple dictionaries, but um, my favorite dictionary these days is the um, Sanseido Kokugo Dictionary. The I've never heard of it. It's you know the bookstore Sanseido, right? You yes, heard of it? yes. They put out an app. Okay. And it's like thirteen bucks. Oh wow! But it, and it's all in Japanese. Nice. But I like it. Yeah, because it gives you all your definitions in Japanese too. And it's not particularly, how can I put it, overwhelming. I don't know. Like when I first looked at a, um, a Japanese to Japanese dictionary for the first time, I thought, oh, God, my brain is going <laughs> to right. explode. This is no fun. I, how could you learn anything like that? And, but um, anyway, uh, have, I haven't really had any trouble reading definitions in Japanese recently. And so that's my new go-to. When I want to know the <laughs> definition of a word, uh, I do that. It's also good vocabulary building because it might give you a definition and a word that describes it you didn't know before. It's got a good function too. Like, yeah, like let's say that there's a, a term in the definition that you don't know. You can just run your finger along it and then it shoots you to the next page oh, really? with that word on it. So that's, that's really... nice. Yeah, for jumping around, it's much easier than the old Denshi G shows where you have to like um, hit the jump button, highlight the text, and then jump to like the next screen or whatever. Like, right. Did you ever go through like using one of those... Um, Denshi G shows the electronic dictionaries that they have on the market. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I guess technically. Like I mean, you're, that you're using a smartphone now. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about like the actual handheld Japanese electronic dictionary. That, I've, you I've never used beyond one. that. Yeah. But all of my students at Aikawa have them. Have that or a paper dictionary. It must just because you're young and you grew up at a time when smartphones had applications mm. that can handle all that. Even before that, um, when I was in like you know elementary, junior high, and all that. Mm -hmm. I had an electronic English dictionary mm -hmm. I didn't use. Mm -hmm. You never had... What about students at the uh, University of Georgia? Did any of them have Denshi G shows that they were using? <clears throat> you know, the only people I actually saw with the electronic dictionaries were the, ex were the exchange students from Japan. Okay. I think they're going the way of the dinosaur. Oh, they have? Yeah. Because you can get great applications and they're expensive on your smart, on your, they're expensive as fuck and um, they only serve one purpose whereas a smartphone you can just get <clears throat> specific apps for all of that like if right. you want to if you want a JLPT grammar app you can probably find it I love using um, Google because sometimes you know I'll say something in Jap English to a student and I'm like uh -huh. it's slangy mm -hmm. and you know, I may not be able to explain it to them in Japanese myself. Mm -hmm. So I'll Google in Japanese. How do you, what does not phrase mean in English or in Japanese? And then there's a page that has somebody explaining. You're just, talking about Google translate. No, 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 not, no. Basically it takes me to like a website where Japanese people discuss English in Japanese. Okay. Yeah. So like teaching a kid to say, you know, what's up? Mm -hmm. And they're like, what does it mean? I'm mm -hmm. like, well, good question. How do I explain that in Japanese? So just like a standard Google search in Japanese for, for an English phrase. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's yeah. somebody there who's explained it in detail. I can show a student and they can read it and learn it. Yeah. Did you ever use Rikai-chan or any of that stuff? Oh, for, for the browsers? For, yeah. Um, I used a similar one for Firefox. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it was called. But basically... Peta-peta? Peta-peta yeah, Japanese? Peta-peta, but like a... a, a what are they called in browsers? The little 
Um, yeah, you highlight it or add on a little add on for the browser. Exactly. I I do have one. I'd rarely use it anymore though. So I've known people that ha their approach to the language was I'm just going to read Japanese Wikipedia articles mm. and just bounce around <laughs> in there using a browser dictionary, which was revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Like the biggest impediment to studying Japanese was getting the reading of the kanji. Mm. So if, like if you have a text in front of you with Japanese, you have to count up the strokes and look it up in a paper dictionary. It's <laughs> like, that was my right. generation. My, that's how we approached the language. And then um, when I had enough money to buy a Denshi Jisho and just kind of copy like by hand, just, just mm. write it onto the, with the, the, the haptic sensor, you know, just kind of like write it in there. Haptic, wow. Is that what they're called? The little, the little. The one with like little, the button grid on it? Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, yeah. there's, is that the haptic? Because that was a breakthrough as well. Like, yeah. like before, they didn't even have that. Yeah. You couldn't. A resistive okay. touchscreen. Okay. Is okay. Where before there's... the touchscreens, there was just a keyboard and you'd have to know the reading mm. or search the radical or like, it was so annoying, like trying to bring up a kanji to get at the reading of the kanji. Right. Whereas nowadays, um, some iPhones, you can just snap a picture off of it. Yeah, yeah, I can do that mine too. And there's apps that will bring up the kanji that way, or you can just draw it right into the, uh, to the touch screen and then boom, it comes up. I got to say, technology has come a long way. I yes. can't imagine being somebody studying Japanese 40, 50 years ago. It would have been really hard to make yeah. inroads in the language. You'd have to have like textbooks upon textbooks. And there were shitty, like from what I hear, <laughs> they were all romanized. Yeah. Like the original um, <laughs> textbooks that people use. Were, were they romanized. romanized with the Japanese romanization method or the Hepburn method? I'm not sure. Thankfully, I was born after that. Yeah. But um, as far as the Japanese romanization method goes, the only people who know how to pronounce it are either Japanese people mm -hmm. or people who have studied Japanese and realize that that's one of the methods. Mm -hmm. if, a, if a layman English speaker were to see something written in the Japanese romanization method, they couldn't pronounce it right. Right. Because they don't know SI means she. They don't know TI means chi. All my students still do this. Like when they're writing their name on a name card or you know, making a name tag. Um, for example, Shota. S, yeah. S-I-O-T-A. Siota. Right. Would be like on his name card. Or S-Y-O. Um, yeah, my mistake. Uh, what, what else? What are, what are some other like like, classic ones. Uh, even now, there's a girl at my school whose name's Chihiro, but uh -huh. she spells it T I H I R O. Because if you type in T I on it the comes keyboard, chi. it comes up Chi. Right. So, Tihiro. Tihiro. I'm like, hey, what's up, Tihiro? Looks strange. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's not, that's not going to make sense to a, yeah. an English speaker who doesn't know Japanese. I'm surprised that that's still taught like that, and yet it is. Mm. I see, you know, Examples of that all over to Japan on like on trucks, on restaurants. There's a restaurant down here called Hiroshina, uh -huh. but it's spelled H I R O S S I N A, <laughs> like Hiroshina. Uh huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> How about your name? What does your name sound like when it's been <clears throat> changed into katakana? Burendon. Burendon Roido Bawaman. It sounds like blend coffee, which is. Oh, a, that, a people, my nickname here. is Burendi. Blendy? Like the blendy coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as my friend Dave, who becomes Debu. Dave, <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fat. He's not fat though, so it's it's funny. It's a, or at least you know it could be Gary. Yeah, Giddy, uh, <laughs> diarrhea. <laughs> Mr. Diarrhea. All right, so you're using a smartphone with you know you either search online through Google or mm. using dictionaries. Do you ever study at home? Do you ever 
portion out time? Yeah, you, I do actually. I am. What texts are you using? I actually buy manga. Okay, yeah. I go through and I read it, and then I come across a word or a kanji I don't know, and I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Some of the manga has furigana, mm-hmm. so I can easily look up the meaning. Some Which don't. manga are you reading now? Which one am I reading now? There's a series called Bokugaru I'm reading. Boku. Boku Garu. Boku Garu. Or Boku ah. Girl. Or like Tomboy or something like that. Ah, Boku Katakana Garu. Boku yeah. Garu. Boku Garu. Tom Girl. Yeah. Tomboy. Huh. It's a, it's, a, it's a comedy, like romance comedy about this guy who gets like turned into a girl. Mm-hmm. Very Ranma one-half-esque, if you remember. Ranma one-half. I do not. <laughs> From the mid, early, late 80s, early 90s by Rumiko Takahashi. She okay. also did Inuyasha. I, these are all just yeah, but uh, I'm sure someone of my listeners out there are getting this. I never really got into manga, although recently I've been trying to just to to understand my students. No, there's better. something out there for everyone. Oh, there is. There's a. There, I mean, there's a lot to it. Like, I mean, if you're interested in food, there's uh, what is it, Kuishinbo or whatever. It's like give will give you encyclopedic knowledge of like cuisine and whatnot okay. through. Manga. Like oh, right. Yes, yes. There's like, you know, books, about, com- comics about cooking, about baseball, soccer, tennis, ping pong. You name it. Shogi. Yeah. Shogi, right? Go. The, Go. the Like, like uh, Hikaru no Go, I believe, is yep. pretty famous. Um, there's one that I'm trying to work my way through, but I haven't really yet, called Saint Onisan. And it's uh, with the, the theme or the, the plot is that, like, Jesus... And the Buddha apartment share in Tokyo. I feel like I've heard about this. I may have mentioned it to you before. But I mean, it's just the, the concept is so funny <laughs> that it just sounds like something I'd be interested in. But I, I have yet to actually break into manga, as it's, as it's called in the West. Yep. Maybe, maybe I should, though. Uh, so that's, that's your method. I know a guy that got in one just reading manga. Like that was his whole thing. There's like, a lot of vocabulary. If you find the right one, you can find a lot of obscure vocabulary. Plus it's good for conversation because there's a lot of onomatopoeia yes. in manga. And that's in conversation. A lot of Japanese people will rely on that. Right. Not so heavily in English, but god damn, like, amegazaza temasne or whatever, you know, like. That actually reminds me of a funny story, um. Probably one of the most difficult things I have so far in Japan, as far as speaking, is, you know, talking on the phone. It's tough. It's tough. And this, you know, brought up onomatopoeias. Um, I was in Tokyo. Actually, I was in Saitama with Ryan and Mike. And uh, mm-hmm. they, we were next to a pizza hut. And we, we were craving some pizza. I'm like, Brandon, Brandon, call an order. You're the one who speaks Japanese. And I'm like, oh, no. Okay, I, I think at that point, that may, may have been one of the first times I actually like called and spoke to someone in Japanese on the phone. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, 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 I can do this. I call them, I go through the motions, oh, yes, the first time, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's your name? Um, I'm a foreigner, but here's my name, here's how you spell it. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you like? All right. So I tell them I want, I'm looking at the menu, I have a menu here, like I want this pizza and this pizza. Mm-hmm. And then she asked me something. I have no idea what she was trying to ask me. Right. I was like, I was like, I started, I was like, oh, dude, what do I do now? I thought maybe she was like, I didn't know. I honestly had no idea what she was asking. So I I replied, (laughs) I don't don't need it. Yeah. Whatever it is you're talking about, I don't need it. (laughs) She, well, she was like, 
And she asked me the question again. Right. And I was like, Sorry, I don't eat it. I don't eat it. Yeah. And she was like, Shosho Machiku Desai, please wait a moment. She puts me the, on the whole. Was she asking for your address? No, I already gave her that. And I told her it was for pickup, so I was coming to her anyway. Huh. But, um, so she comes back. And she's like, I don't know. Pan crusto. Crusto. Pan crusto. Oh, she, she probably checked her dictionary to like, yeah. She's, uh, she, then I realized she was asking me, how do you want your crust? Yeah. Thick crust, thin crust. She was, she kept saying something, something mochiri. Ah, mochi crust. Mochiri. And I, I hadn't heard it in mochi, mochi. mochi crust. And I was like, ah, you're asking how do I want my crust? Thin, crunchy, soft. So I'm like, all right, hold on one second. And cause I know I'm ordering for me, Ryan and Mike. I'm like, right. how do you guys want your crust? And I'm like, right. ah, one, one soft and one crispy. I'm like, you assholes. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I was like, all right. Hitotsu no wa mochi mochi onegaishite. Hoka no wa saku saku. I'll take one crunchy and one soft. Uh-huh. Did that go over? It did. Yeah. And she's like, of course, of course. I was like, thank God. I almost ordered a pizza with no How crust. How would you like your crust? It's <laughs> unnecessary. I don't need it. Uh, one more time. <laughs> How would you like your crust? It's unnecessary. <laughs> I hung up the phone and it just, I just laughed. I was like, I can't imagine being on her end and asking them, How would you like your crust? Oh, I, don't, I don't want one. This, look, this, I should say, this is the second time I've tried to record a podcast with you. The first time I came out, and it was basically like a party situation at your house. And, yeah. and what we recorded was um, unusable. But at <laughs> that time, uh, you told us a story about going to the convenience store. And you had, you had difficulty, something about a bag or something yes. like that. Yes. And some of that may have been my fault. And the other half may have been that this girl was new. But um, I believe I used the wrong verb. But um, she was packaging. The wrong conjugation of the verb. Or the wrong use. I used, what, happened, what happened again? Can I you used, tell this whole story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a funny story. So I went in, and my, my local Lawson's, I'm a regular there, and mm-hmm. they don't go irashagmasa to me. They're just like, oh, konnichiwa, welcome back. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. Norm! I know, <laughs> thank God. It's so nice. They all look at me smiling. How was your day? And this new girl was here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, whatever. I get in, I, I buy, I get like a beer and some snacks. And, you know, as they do, they're trying to separate the cold item from the not cold item. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to say, oh, no, one bag, please put it into the same bag. Mm-hmm. And I think I said something along the lines of, In other words, get into the same bag? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have used, <laughs> <laughs> It's okay to put it in the right, same bag. Right, But she just looked at me with deer eyes, deer, deer and headlights, just kind of like, like, what? <laughs> what? I was like, it's okay to get into the same bag with me. <laughs> and I'm like, I understand from the verb was wrong, but the meaning she could have understood from context. I was like, onaji shukuro. Sure. Yeah. It's okay to get into the same bag. She was young. She was so young. She didn't really intuit what you were meaning. Right. Um, For somebody with any kind of language experience who had like studied a foreign language or deal with people that were studying a foreign language would have immediately understood what it was you were trying to say. But perhaps because she was new and young and didn't have those kinds of experiences. She was and like, I'm a white guy that she probably hadn't seen yet. <laughs> going to the same bag? Jumping in the same bag? What do you, just, what do you mean? Just, I'm going to take you home with me. You're coming. Oh, what you kind of? How much you cost? You and me in my bag. <laughs> That's inappropriate. <laughs> no. Those, those things happen. Oh, yeah. It reminded me of a, of a time before I came to Japan when I was working at uh, uh, a coffee shop. 
uh, when I was a university student, and there were Japanese exchange students uh, coming to the school, and they came into the coffee shop to order this or that, and one of the guy, I was at the register when a guy came up and he wanted a banana shake, and he said banana milkshake please or something like that, yeah. probably with a thicker accent, and I didn't I I couldn't actually understand what he was saying. Banana shake. Because milk kind of turns into like miruku. Uh, Banana miruku shake. It sounded really. Even though, I mean, even though he was using the words banana, milk, shake, please, like those are all technically English words. Yeah. The thickness of his accent and my inexperience hearing that kind of an accent, I was just like, I'm, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't understand. One more time, please. And he said it again. And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I still like one more time, please. And he got frustrated and he left and I felt really bad about it. And then a coworker of mine came up and I explained the whole thing. I was like, I feel really bad. He was saying he was ordering something and, and she was like, he was ordering a banana milkshake. And I'm like, Oh my God. And, uh, I felt like an idiot. But now, now that I've you know, lived in Japan for a time, hearing that's like second nature now. Yeah. You could say anything to me in the, in the, thickest Japanese accented English imaginable and I would have no trouble understanding what you were trying to say yeah so a lot of that I think has to do with familiarity right uh, certainly with, yeah with just yeah because you have to master the the Japanese English if you're gonna live yeah. in Japan because so much uh wasego gairaigo yeah is used here yeah and I've, I've had times where I've had Japanese people say things to me using English mm-hmm. like just recently um, when I'm, I was asking one of my hoiko uh, and enchos, the principals at the daycare, um, what kind of flowers I had around here. And mm-hmm. they kept, she kept saying, Sarubia, Sarubia, Sarubia. I was like, Sarubia, Sarubia. I'm repeating it. And she's repeating it. I'm like. Serbia? No. Salvia. Salvia. It's a, it's a, it's a, a breed of sage. Wow. Salvia. Yeah. And I was like, because oh, I'm familiar with, you know, salvia because, you know, working in restaurants, salvia frotata is cooking sage okay and um i was like salvia ah not sarubia <laughs> that classic bv combo yeah, I, I didn't get what you're saying but then again I've, i haven't really heard of the term salvia, salvia. outside right. from what was it marijuana mimetics i think salvia was the name no of, uh, salvia divinorum okay was the uh the plant that you used to legally be able to smoke in america okay yeah i've, I've heard of that i hadn't mm. actually heard of the, the sage or whatever yeah um and then there's times where like I'm speaking, and I'm trying to mimic Japanese English, and it, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's there's been times when I'm ordering something at a, the lessons, and the guy's like, "Oh, your pronunciation is very nice. Thank you." Some some foreigners come here and they ask for things in English, <laughs> and I know it's English, but I don't understand that English. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm trying to say something in Japanese, and they're like, "What?" Yeah. And I'm like, "I'm like, I'm sorry, my pronunciation is bad." And I try to say a little bit slower, like, "Oh, oh, oh right, right, right." <laughs> Usually, I forget like the extended "o" or "ooh" or. What about when you're communicating with your Japanese language teachers, mm. the, the JLTs as they're referred to? Do you J- guys? Yeah. Do you guys communicate in English or do you communicate in Almost Japanese? Primarily in English. Okay. Yeah. Their English is all good enough. Um, but occasionally we do talk in Japanese here and mm. there, just to mm-hmm. confirm things. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Make sure that I'm understood, that they're understood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my first two years in the countryside, when my language ability was at its poorest because it was my first two years here. Mm. I had two teachers that just wanted to communicate in Japanese. 
So when we were drawing up lesson plans and talking about like you do this, I'll do that, it was all in Japanese, and it was um, it was great to you know to have that to you know some trying to study Japanese, and so it was good to have some place to actually use it. But um, wow, uh, it's tough. It was tough. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just sounds like nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. You know their words, and you know they mean something, but. To you individually, it just, it's garbled nonsense. Whereas now, uh, my Japanese level has never been better because, mm. you know, the longer you stay here, the better it gets. Right. Uh, all the teachers that I work with now, they want to primarily speak in English, which is fine. I, I don't, I don't, I don't gripe it, but <laughs> it's, it's interesting how it worked out that way. Right. So, um, but I, I have had uh, teachers that just got here, fresh off the boat, so to speak, and um, their English teachers don't communicate with them in English. They like lesson planning and whatnot. Yeah. They, they do it in Japanese and I've had some people complain about that. Sounds like you've got a pretty good situation. Yeah. I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Well, next question. Beer. Yes. You're, you are a bit of a beer connoisseur. I love beer. Yes. Um, you have an app application. Oh yeah. I use an application called untapped. To it. keep records on all the varieties of beer that you've drank, is that right? Yes. So far, I'm, I'm up to, I believe, just short of 200 different kinds of beer or distinct beers I've had. How do you find beer um, in Japan? Very slowly. <laughs> um, fortunately, living in Nagano, we've got a really nice you know, craft beer brewery scene sure, here. Sure, sure. Um, we have Yoho Brewery, Olaho, uh-huh. Shiga, Shiga Kogen. Uh-huh. Karuizawa, there's like two or three different Karuizawa breweries around here. Uh-huh. Um, there's a brewery in Ozawa Onsen mm-hmm. called Anglo Japanese Beer Company. I can't remember if I said so that. So you like right. the explosion of microbrew in this area. How about big beer labels like Kirin, Sapporo, and Asahi? I, I only drink them if there's no other better beer to choose. Asahi? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's so expensive compared to some of the other beers. I mean, craft, yeah. the craft brews go for like 250 to 350 yen per, per can or bottle, but yeah. it, it tastes good. Yeah. Like yeah. everything else around here is basically a lager. I'm asking people like, you know, what kind of beer do you like? Oh, I like this beer. Like, is it an ale or a lager? And they're like, what's the difference? I'm like, oh, as somebody who used to brew beer, like there's a world's difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Ten years ago, there really wasn't even any microbrew. It was just all Kirin, Asahi, and um, Sapporo. Mm. I gotta give Santoro some Toro. Excuse me, Santori malts. The Santori malts and the Ugh. Ebisu. Not so bad. The Santori malts. Uh, the malts brand. Like, you don't like it? At I all? hated it. Really? I, was, I thought right. it was disgusting. Of the major uh, brand name beers, though, hmm. I would think that Ebisu. And um, a lot of people like Sapporo and then the malts, I think, would be like the best mm. of the major sort of like, you know, they'd be like the Budweiser's of Japan. Pretty much Budweiser's, Coors, Keystone's. Yeah. Pabst's. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Do you drink that stuff when you're back in the States? The lagers? No, like, yeah, like the major, like. No, no, I don't never, touch them. You know, don't okay. touch them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was just back in America this last March and I just, I indulged in my favorite beers. What like, like what? Uh, Sierra Nevada. Oh yeah. Allagash. California. Allagash. Yeah. Um, I think Allagash is from Oregon. I think I come, I come from <laughs> the epicenter of microbrew in yeah. the United States. Georgia's got a lot of brewer, crap breweries. We got um, Sweetwater. There's uh, 
There's Terrapin. Terrapin's a great one, especially for those out in the Athens area. Mm-hmm. Going to UGA, lots mm-hmm. of Terrapin. Yeah. Um, you ever heard of Fat Tire? Yeah, or yeah. Guy I Ill like Fat Tire, or... the Ranger. Mm-hmm. Ranger IPA is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, IPAs, that's my usually go-to. If I can find an mm-hmm. IPA, I'm going to buy it and drink it. Okay. I love hops, mm-hmm. which is funny because I actually used to hate IPAs when Wait. I was... I, I gotta say I don't I don't really like IPAs. They're it, too bitter for me. It's they're very bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think though I would like it with the, a certain kind of food. Mm, right, I think and it a depends certain kind on of what hops. you're pairing it with. Yeah, yeah. Like there's there's so many different. You have your when in brewing you have your bittering hops, mm-hmm. your aroma hops, and your flavor hops. Yeah, and the right combinations make or break an IPA. I don't particularly tend to like uh, French wine, for example, either. Mm. But with French food, it's pretty good. It pairs really right. well, you know. So, like around um, here, um, there's a lot of wineries here. There's yes. a lot of uh, wineries in Nagano. Um, uh, Mons wine, Ichigo <laughs> wine, um, blueberry wines, Concord grape wines. I sure, love. Karuizawa sure. has an amazing Muscat wine. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've been impressed with the wines in this in this region. Um, not really knowledgeable about wine, though. But, same here. But um, I'm I'm impressed. Like I feel like they put in a lot of effort to master um, making wine yep. in this region specifically. Uh, so yeah, we're kind of lucky out here in Nagano that we there's no tsunamis. We're right. landlocked. We're so literally you, in the center of Japan. The so rainy you, the season rain is, is pretty not light. Not quite as bad as anywhere else. Actually, I saw more rain in this last week than I think we had last rainy season it's not as humid as it traditionally is this mm. year i want to say it's like the rainy season has been a little bit uh lighter than right. before um so no no tsunamis not too many earthquakes pretty rare and if we do have them they're only like twos or threes mm-hmm. <clears throat> unfortunately we don't have an ocean to go surfing in but no i literally not maybe about three or four miles from here mm-hmm. is a spot which in Japan is the furthest spot from any ocean in Japan. Okay, yeah. It's actually... Because we're, we're, we're literally in the center of Japan. Yeah. So, yeah. But the spot and you is... you actually literally went to the center of... The center of Japan? Yeah, the very... <laughs> the furthest spot from any body of water in Japan. Is, I think I've been there, actually, now that you mentioned that's it. That's not too far from here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? And we got, you know, good beer and good wine. Yes. Yeah. I Tokyo though, you can pretty much get anything in Tokyo, including yes. imports. Good For a price, but yes. Yeah, it's not cheap. Well, Ryan, um, I, I I love Sierra Nevada. Sierra Nevada was the first. Um, I don't know. You can't call them a microbrewery or a macro. They're somewhere in between. They're pretty large, but not huge. But um, I love their. That's from Northern California. Chico, right? California. There's Chico. a. Okay. I believe. I drank a Chico. lot of that back when I was in the states. Yeah. Maybe university to late nineties. Mm. Yeah. I love, they're, they're constantly ex- experimenting with different hop varieties mm-hmm. and combinations, but um, Ryan went out to Tokyo one weekend and he came back with, with a six a, pack? With a six, well, a couple bottles of uh, Sierra Nevada. Nice. Oh, man. What would they cost him? Like uh, five bucks a piece or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That import price tag is pretty yeah. steep. You can order online. That yes, you can. They're, they're just as expensive, though. I've Are they? It okay. Yeah. It, it can be like five, six hundred yen, about five or six dollars. For, do you do Bonshaku? Do you have a, a nightly beer or do you save it for the weekends? Um, depends on the day. Uh, recently, I've been drinking whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of Nika whiskey. Nightly or like like Bonshaku style or like, like Friday night, Saturday night? 
it, uh, I'll have a small glass of whiskey. Mm-hmm. So then you are doing bonshaku. Pretty You're much. turning Japanese. I guess so. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah. It's what I have on stock. I have a little whiskey cabinet downstairs. Mm-hmm. I'll have to mm-hmm. show you if you haven't already seen it. Yeah. Plus, I'm making, like, I got six liters of umeshu going. Nice. You're yeah. making your own. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Umeshu is good. Umeshu is uh, very good. Uh, I got one going with some cherries and brandy in it. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever had um, real ale in Kariza? Ah, no, but that's by one of my favorite breweries, Yoho. I was pretty impressed. It was on tap at the... Um, what was it the Hoshinoyu? Mm-hmm. There's an onsen over there. Um, it also goes by the name Hotarunoyu. There's, there's a nickname for it. But anyway, the technical name is Hoshinoyu. Right. And if you go there on weekends, it's so packed because of like all the tourists coming in from Tokyo staying at the hotels there. But if you ever, like today, for example, would have been a good day to head over there and, and just uh, just do it like a two-hour, three-hour onsen. And then uh, in the cafe slash restaurant, um, attached to it, they have uh, real beer, real mm-hmm. ale on tap. That's one of the few beers by that brewery I've not tried yet. But I love all the other ones. Um, Aoni, mm-hmm. Suyogi no Neko, mm-hmm. Bokubiru Kimibiru. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else are theirs? They have a new Bokubiru Kimibiru. It's a green one. It's an American wheat ale mm-hmm. brewed with some really nice hot flavor. Mm. That just came out this year really good. Japan, that, I'm glad that they started doing microbrew because <clears throat> they were pretty late on the scene. Um, yeah, they were always late on the scene. Yeah, yeah. And they I, were late I, on the music scene. They were late on the beer scene. Yeah, yeah. They're still late on the technology scene. Yeah. So you have uh, people at your school using like Windows ninety seven as well. Actually, we're on Windows eight. I was quite surprised. Wow, nice. But we were. It was a brand new school built last year. So. Wow, oh, there you go. We still have chalkboards. Are are the uh, yeah? Are, <laughs> it's very analog. Mm. Are they? Uh, your school computers, do they automatically load up with Internet Explorer? To, they did. To Yahoo? <laughs> they did. Yes, they did. So I don't know what what it is about Japan, but like um, every school that I've been at, the default uh, browser is Internet Explorer. Yeah. And the default search engine, the homepage, is, is always Yahoo. And so I consider, like, I'm constantly Yahoo searching Google. <laughs> Yeah, like get to Google. <laughs> I literally saw a teacher open up Yahoo.com, uh-huh. go to the Yahoo search, uh-huh. type in YouTube.com, and then click the link that popped up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, very 1990s. Yes, here <laughs> faxes are still quite prominent. Still, well, I I, well, I came over here. It would have been in 2000, and the internet was still kind of in its infancy. Hmm in 2000 in the United States. So during that sort of those primal years of like internet infancy, I was here in Japan where it just sort of, it was, it's still so much slower. Yeah. And uh, I feel like I'm out of the loop a lot. Just maybe because I live here. Yeah. Like if I hadn't lived here, I think I'd, I'd have taken in so much via osmosis of the culture. There's a lot of things you give up in Japan because, you know, it's still a bit isolated here. It's it's incredibly isolated. Like where you live right now, I consider isolated. And I'm not even I'm not even talking about just like, you know, geographically isolated, like Mm -hmm. news wise. Yeah. There's very little um, fanfare spent talking about what's going on outside of Japan. Sure. Unless it's a major event. Sure. Sure. Although 
to be fair, I do feel like I, I tend to like watch the morning news and um, just because it's on my father-in-law, and I, I tend to watch this or that evening news show as well. Um, and there's a almost daily there are NHK documentaries about various countries around the world. That's good. Yeah. So like compared to America, mm. I would say that Japan has its eye on the world much more so than America does. Like in terms of like a sort of like a limp, like how can I put this? Like nationalized media, like a limiting sort of like a national lens. I right. think the United States is much more inward looking than Japan is. But Japan is also quite inward looking. Right. Uh, so yeah, I do get that for sure. But I, I gotta say, a lot of people like in the, I I was guilty of this myself. My first few years here, I thought, God, Japanese TV sucks. I don't know if you ever felt that way. Maybe you, maybe you didn't because you studied Japanese before you came over here. But right. most people who don't speak <clears throat> Japanese, they'll watch Japanese TV and say like, it's the same shit over and over and over again. It's people. They're mostly talking about food. Yeah, yeah. There's always a food show on. And um, the reactions are always the same, like, umai, umai, umai. And uh, just, they tend not to like it. But there's, there's more to it than that. There's no. actually a lot of interesting TV on. Once they get past their initial, oh, it tastes good, they start talking about what it is and what goes into it. and well, Even if you just set aside food. There's other things on TV, like... Um, Variety programming. For example, in the morning, like, I, you probably don't see this because you're at school. Yeah. Uh, but there, in the morning, there's, like, this NHK show about cats in different s- locations around the world. I think I may have caught something similar to that. They just show cats. All cats. It's completely silent. Oh, there's, no, that I didn't know about. There's, silent. There's, there may be slight narration. Like the, the narrator be, might be like, like the cat's like sitting on top of a hill majestically watching the sunset. <laughs> and and he'll, he might make one small comment about that. Right. But in general, it's just completely silent. Just the camera... Usually at cat level, just following around cats in the cities, huh. which I thought was just um, so unique and so Japan and fascinating. <laughs> like you, you, you can lose yourself in the cat world, so to they speak. They love their cats. Meaningful silence. Mm, definitely. But, um, you know, it reminded me of the book, Waga Haiwa Neko de Aru. Japan has had a kind of an infatuation with cats since ancient times. Mm-hmm. But, um, um, and then there's the movie, The Cat Kingdom, and then there's, um... Milo and Otis. Yeah, but, <laughs> but, uh, just weird shit like that. Or, or there's, like, um, do you ever watch Sekai no Hatemade Itekyu, the Sunday evening show, I forget her name, the girl with the really, the painted on eyebrows, the really thick painted on eyebrows. And they're talking about, like, it's, it's, this isn't the comedy program where they show funny videos from around the world, is it? No, this is the one where um, two gay no jeans comedian slash talent figures uh, they'll, they'll be sent to a foreign country. Like for example, they could be sent to India. Ah, okay. And then they have to lie down with snakes. They have to do these various challenges that are presented to them. Or yes, like yes, yes. They went to Vietnam and they had to f- spar on a narrow bridge with. There's like a whatever local like events or festivals. Kind of like an idiot abroad. Yeah, yeah. That one's really cool. Yeah. It's cool in the sense that they're sending Japanese people outside of Japan. They're getting in touch with some local tradition. 
right. whether it be sparring over a river in Vietnam or uh, rolling cheese down a hill in Europe <laughs> or, um, you know, if, if I had just lived in the United States, I feel like there, you wouldn't get that. We don't really, like on American TV, I don't see too many cases where Americans are going abroad and interacting with people of different countries. The only one I can think off the top of my head is anything on the Food Network, Anthony Bourdain or sure. Bizarre Foods with well, Andrew Well, thanks Zimmerman. to the sort of the food culture that's developed, like the sort of uh, the foodie mania mm-hmm. that's hit the United States over the last decade. Thanks to that, I think America has been exposed to a lot of, um, in particular, European, but foreign cultures. Right. And with, you know, just YouTube or <clears throat> Netflix, you can always catch a documentary on well, that. someplace. Yeah, the internet big maybe people don't really watch tv anymore maybe it's mostly an internet society i don't know i rarely watch tv the only tv i watch okay i watch game of thrones same here i watch silicon valley i've heard that's it. good funny really really funny um archer thanks to you love archer went, went right through that <laughs> right it's like so a easy goddamn to watch. arrow just just been watch binge watched the whole thing um hilarious <laughs> fucking hilarious and um Binge watching is definitely my thing. Like, yeah. I don't have a lot of free time. But when I do, I like to sit down and just really tap into something. So um, it's nice when everything's available online and you can you can get it that way. Right. But um, in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I've seen a few episodes. I've enjoyed I it. That's the, I think, as far as I'm aware, that's the only US TV I watch. Rick and Morty. Oh, no, no. I do watch Rick and Morty. Okay. Okay. Got me. I do watch Rick and Morty. And that's definitely, like, top tier. Like, that's probably my favorite comedy show. That's like, good stuff. Uh, Silicon Valley, it's up there though. You should check it out. Is there anything else you can recommend? Oh Lord. Orange. I mean, are you into superheroes? Like I might be. The Daredevil series on Netflix is incredible. Daredevil series. Well just Daredevil. Daredevil. You know they had the movie with Matt was it Ben Affleck? Or Matt, Ben Affleck, I think. Mm-hmm. And um Matt Damon or Ben Affleck. They're the same. Pretty much. Two, just one coin, two, two sides. sides. Yeah. But it was really good. Daredevil. Yep. Okay. It was, it's probably not a good show to watch with children. It's very violent and gritty. My kind of show. Yeah. What else do you watch? Is there anything else? Game of Thrones. Uh, Speaking of which, we're like in fucking countdown for the, for the finale. I know. Have you ever noticed that it's always uh, episode nine that's the big, grand, amazing... Like, it, always. They peak, like... They always peak before the season like, like finale. Like eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they want to they have, like, the climax... And then they want to get their hooks in you for like and now to be continued, so to speak, for right. the next for the next season. So I'm not really expecting much for other than like a, a hook at the right. end, like, oh, what's gonna happen? Kind of thing. <laughs> um, but hopefully there'll be a lot of deaths. That's what that's what that's why we watch Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> exactly. For the, the random unexpected deaths. Right. <laughs> the last Spoilers. episode was probably one of the most intense yeah, episodes was good. of TV I think I've ever watched. Like I like, I've seen. I mean, like it was like it was like Braveheart on steroids. It had all the fights you wanted to see in one episode. Yeah. But as far as you know, I, I love. I still love cartoons. Mm-hmm. One of my early aspirations when I was young, I wanted to be a voice actor. Okay. Still kind of do, but. Well, there's 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 a, you're young. There's yep. possibility there. But um, I really like Gravity Falls. Ah, I've been watching that with my kids. It's a great one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you haven't seen it yet, Star Butterfly and the Forces of Evil. Oh, no, I have not. It is... Star Butterfly mm-hmm. and the Forces 
of versus Zans. You'll find it that way. I don't know if you might be able to find that on Disney XD or something, or you can find some uh-huh. resource to watch it. Uh, your oldest daughter probably would love it. Probably. I mean, she's pretty precocious. I've showed her a lot of show, maybe too much. So she gravitates towards it, whereas I'm like, no, we're not going to watch this. It's inappropriate. But um, <clears throat> um, I'm, I'm trying to think. For, like an example of like, what I'm talking about is um, we... I wanted to show my kids Ghibli films. So we were watching all the Ghibli stuff in English. And then there was Mononoke Hime. One of my favorites. 99% of it is peaceful. Yeah. And then you have these moments where like arms get cut off or, yep. or whatnot. Or like at the end when the beast is just like shooting blood or this, or the, 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 war the, hog scene the warthog that looks like, like, like a spaghetti. That my, my kids call it the spaghetti monster. It's an incredible animated like scene. In worms and mud. Like it's... Uh, a little bit grotesque. You fight like a demon. But they love it. Yeah. It's good. My kids love that stuff. And um, so I, have, I haven't showed my f- three-year-old mm. that movie yet. But Sakura, my, my eldest, has, has seen it. And like, she's got a taste for that kind of stuff. She, that's what she wants. Like Gravity Falls can be a little bit inappropriate here and there, yeah. I think, even. Loves it. So well, There is yeah. one episode in Star Butterfly about puberty that's pretty funny. I, I feel like my kid's already there. She's talking about getting married all the time. <laughs> well, There's a sixth grade boy that she has a crush on. Uh-oh. Yeah. I feel sorry for that kid because she's constantly, <laughs> even though she's a first grade student, right. she'll, like, during the breaks, like second period break or lunch break, instead of going outside and playing on the playground with all the other kids, she, her and a friend of hers will come like up into the sixth grade and fifth grade hallways to hunt for boys. That's hilarious. Boy hunting. As a first grader, it's uh, I'm a little bit frightened as a father. I don't think Nampa should go that low. Yeah, at this age, the fact that she's already interested in boys and constantly talking about when can I get married? When can I get married? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's wait until you're at least 18. You know, <laughs> um, she's totally into that. So, yeah, I think I'm. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm worried as fuck because like I don't want to have. A, I don't want to have a, a daughter who's a teenager who's pregnant. Right. Haven't had any pregnancies at my school that I'm aware of, but I do know other teachers at other schools who have had junior high school pregnancies. Wow, that that stuff gets swept under the under the rug. Absolutely, really quickly. I'm surprised that there's not sex education at the junior high oh school. God. I was in fifth grade when we started getting sex ed. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, they should know. Hey, if how you do babies this, are made. You're gonna get your gap, and and yeah. and more importantly, what it means to take care. Like I, I, I was listening. I, I don't remember if it was. Um, an NPR podcast or, or what, but like the standard sort of like, um, they have those new baby dolls that, um, require feedings and can be temperamental and cry. And Mm -hmm. they make kids take have the doll and take care of the doll for like a week or two. And it's got all the sort of feedback mechanisms that a baby has. Like, um, if it needs to be changed, you got to do this or that. If it needs to, to drink milk, you, you gotta put the bottle on its mouth for a certain number of hours. You gotta rock it, like physically hold, like holding a heavy baby and rocking <laughs> it's got an it back and forth. In for, it or yeah, 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 all that stuff. Wow. And um, through education like that, kids understand how physically demanding it is to have a baby. I, I had no idea. Mm. Like, I, and the burden, the largely the burden of having a kid has fallen on my wife. But it, it's, it was like getting bombed. Mm. And I'm not just talking about your social life. I'm talking like your sleep gone destroyed like if your sleep was a city it was hiroshima like it's just your sleep is done and um other things like um 
getting strange arm and back aches from rocking a baby in your arms. Mm. They're not light. It's like having a bowling ball or two in your arms and you're rocking it to bed every night or picking it up and and patting it on the back and holding it. It's like physically demanding. My, my wife actually and her mother, uh, her wrist, like a tendon in, in their wrist was damaged to the point where they required surgery. From oh, wow. Babies are... That's are, carpal tunnel, isn't it? I don't know what it was called in English or Japanese. Um, damage to the point where they required surgery. Wow. So, and so that's, there's that, and then there's the no sleep, and then, um, God, you name it. Um, constantly having to have the kid in your sight. That is a thing in and of itself. Like, like the minute you don't look at your kid, They're it's gone. messing with a uh, socket on the wall or... Um, <laughs> eat, putting something in its mouth that it will choke and die on. And There's actually a video game completely based on this concept. I'm sure there is. It's called Who's Your Daddy? <laughs> and one, it's a two-player game. One person plays the father, one mm-hmm. person plays the baby. Mm-hmm. As the baby, you're trying to kill yourself okay. by playing with knives and sockets, drinking sure. bleach, stealing <laughs> batteries, and the father is trying to stop the baby player from doing that shit. <laughs> that should be a required thing to do. Like if you're a junior high school kid, you should be required to play Who's Your Daddy or to carry around one of those dolls for a week or two so that you understand the, the physical and psychological burden of having a child. The consequences of your actions if you actually, you know... Have or your disactions. Not to mention all the fucking diseases and whatnot that are out there. Like, So I think I'm going to have to do sexual education with my daughter, when she, which I don't want to do. I'd rather have the school do it. But if they're, if education hasn't... If the educational system hasn't advanced by the time my daughter is a junior high school student, I think I'm going to have to get some documentaries. Isn't that an odd internet. thing to say in 2016? Yeah, it is. I remember my father used to keep a encyclopedia collection. Uh-huh. And I think I was in like, I guess it was fifth grade, fifth or sixth grade, where the word sex, I was hearing it more and more often mm-hmm. from students and you know, I first learned about what a blowjob blow was in sixth grade. Yeah. Not that I received one, but I heard yeah. kids talking about it. And I asked, like, this girl next to me was like, what, is, what does that mean, blowjob? And she takes a pencil and puts it in her mouth. She's like, it's like this, but with a well, penis. Well, thank you for asking. I will show you. Yeah, she was pretty cool. And I was like, oh, oh, interesting. Do you need a demo? Why? <laughs> but um, I remember going home and looking up the word sex in the dictionary. And there was a full, you know, scientific explanation as the process of making babies. And I was like, oh. And then... I don't remember how old that was in sixth or seventh grade. It was like, I was like 12. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how old it was, but I read about it before my father gave me the talk. Yeah. You actually got the talk? I never had the talk. Yeah. They tried to give me the talk, and I was like, it's cool. And they're like, okay, good, good. Like, yeah. just they, they walked DVD away. in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in Japan, I don't feel like they're up to par on that at all. <clears throat> I could at least hand out a pamphlet. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm a little bit worried. As a father of two daughters, I'm a little bit worried about that. Right. It's different when you have a son. When you have a daughter, your whole perspective of the world changes. Everyone is out, the world is out to literally fuck your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's a world of penises coming at you like swords. <laughs> Whereas if you have a son, he's a sword. Yeah. That's going out to attack the world, so to speak. It's a, definitely a sort of inward, outward sort of stance. And um, as a father of daughters, you become a shield. The mindset is already kind of come at me. Like, I don't know. It's... It's justice, probably, for, for my, my younger years. Like, all the <laughs> liberties that I took being a single adult male have come full circle. <laughs> God decided to give me daughters so that I would see the other <laughs> side of the equation. But um, uh, I can't imagine what it's going to be like to have teenagers. 
hopefully my my wife will be on top of that. But, yeah. Ugh, God. Um, do you want to have kids? Mm. Not with me. Someday. Do you want to have kids? <laughs> well, <laughs> you can put it that way. Um, I have no plans for children. Okay. Yeah. But you're not opposed to the idea? It would depend on my financial status. Yeah. yeah. If I could afford yeah. to have kids, then I might consider it. Yeah. But It's tough. It's really tough. Mm. Yeah. So I always tell people, if, if, you, if you do want to have kids, the sooner the better. Right. Because like the, in your 20s, you can recover from a night of no sleep fairly well. You're quite resilient. Yeah. You know, your body is anyway. When you get over the, over the 30 mark, it's like you don't get a night of sleep. You're dead for the whole week. You know, you're yeah. just like, I feel like shit today. I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow. And it, it's never ending. So the earlier you can have kids, the better. Plus, your chances of having a kid with Down syndrome, God bless them. There, there's nothing wrong with that. But I mean, if you don't want to have a child with Down syndrome, your chances of having a child with Down syndrome are considerably less if you have them in your 20s. So get on that. If you want to well, have kids, get on that. I got a year and a half then. Oh, wow. You're, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see it happening in a year and a half. I would have to meet somebody quite exceptional. It's pretty easy to do. Yeah. I mean, in Japan, there's a lot of beautiful... No, I mean, of course, it's, it's more than just beauty. You need to find somebody who's compatible, interested in similar things as you. And, and, you know, being recently single is something, you know, I'm not actively seeking, but I think a lot of, like, you know, who do I... Do I want to go for somebody who doesn't speak English or do I... I mean, like, I'm not opposed to somebody who doesn't speak English. But there's always that... Would thing. you prefer someone who speaks English? That's what I'm kind of battling with myself. Like, someone who doesn't speak English should be cool. And even if we connect, that's great. But there's always that thing, like, are we actually together because we want to be together? Or am I just a tool for her to learn English? If I find somebody who, learned, who already knows English Yeah, it's like well, being a rich person. Are they just with me for my money? Or yeah. It's a conundrum. Uh, my wife has a high school teacher's license. Mm-hmm. We never speak English. Ever. She's never spoken to me in English. Wow. So I want to get her on the mic and do an interview with her just so that I can hear what she sounds like speaking English. <laughs> That's my goal. Anyway, she keeps putting it off, saying no, no, no. Um, but um, it t- like you went to a barbecue to Adams one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took her to a couple of those barbecues. And she was talking to some of the foreigners there in English. And I was like, whoa, my wife speaks English. Never speaks English to me. Even when I ask for it, she won't. She won't do it. So and she starts start speaking in English. Pretend you don't know Japanese. I do speak. You can't pretend because she knows you know. I'll speak to English in English to her, and she'll listen and then reply in Japanese. That's like ninety percent of our communication. I wouldn't hate that. As long as I knew that the individual could understand my English, then great. Yeah, we can. Work, I can work with that. Yeah. Well, most Japanese people can understand English to a certain yeah. degree. Anyway, so yeah. that's. No matter what, you're going to find somebody who can speak a little bit of English. Right. Well, we should probably wrap this up. We're running, I, I don't even know how long. This is our second session, which is an hour and a half. Is there anything you'd like to touch on in, in conclusion here? Hmm. I guess. Uh, well, I, I guess I could say, what do you dislike about Japan? Ah, there's the question. We never came around to the negative. <clears throat> I had a. I was fortunate to have a lot of foresight about Japan before coming here, so I didn't come here with rose-tinted glasses or any types, any type of jaded feelings. Mm-hmm. But um, the paperwork, the bureaucracy. I don't like the bureaucracy, the red tape, the the loops, and 
obstacles you have to take to do a simple task. For example, I'll actually have to give you an example of something that happened to my friend Ryan. Mm -hmm. Not even me, but I had to be there to translate for him. Um, So we have this bank account here and we have an online banking, shockingly. Mm. I was actually quite shocked to see online banking available. Very late in the game here. Yes. And a very archaic way of using it too. But um, Mm -hmm. he had accidentally locked himself out of his online banking account Mm -hmm. due to forgetting his password. Mm -hmm. But he remembered it. Okay. After he locked himself out. So the website said, please see your local bank branch to remedy the situation. Right. Verify yourself in person. Yeah. And Ryan doesn't, at the time, didn't speak hardly any Japanese, nowhere near enough to um, navigate the conversation with the bank. So you went in with him. I had to take, I took him there. We went in together. We explained the situation because we thought, you know, it would be simply, you know, answer the security question. Boom. We give it another shot. Right. It wasn't that simple. Okay. And I had a feeling it wouldn't be that simple. Yeah. Well, the first time we went, he didn't have his hanko or his name stamp. Okay. And that was necessary, so we left. And then the came back with the hanko. second time we came back with the hanko, and they sat us down with the new girl. She had the little yellow and green leaf symbol on her name tag, indicating <laughs> first-timer. Yeah. And so we explained the situation, and she's like, okay, okay, okay. Uh-huh. And we're, thinking, we're still thinking it's just going to you know, answer the security question. Here you go. You're back in. They wanted him to surrender his card and fill out a new form to receive a new card. Wow. Fine. Fair enough. And I'm, I'm translating all this stuff to Ryan's. Like, you know, you have to give them your card and you fill this one out and uh-huh. they'll send you a new one in a week. Right. Well, the new girl gave us the wrong form the first time. Okay. After Ryan filled it out. I was not allowed to write for Ryan. <laughs> Ryan has never written kanji or hiragana katakana any kind of japanese before this moment as far as i understood so the the woman helping us is like writing in big characters what she wants ryan to copy onto the paper and ryan's doing that and he's doing that and he completely and like oh i'm so sorry this is this, this is sounds the, like sketch comedy it was i'm i'm dying i'm cracking up inside i'm 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 just <laughs> crying with laughter and ryan is just over there seething and she was probably and she sweating felt, bullets. She felt horrible. Yeah. So she, it would have been funny if it wasn't, you know, it took three more papers because she handed them the wrong paper two more times. <laughs> two more times. I'm sorry, this is the wrong one. Two more times again. She's handwriting kanji for the second or third time in his life. Oh, this this isn't for, oh my God, I'm so sorry. All that nonsense. And Ryan's just like, I can't explain the expression on his face. It was a combination <laughs> of confusion and anger and rage. But Did you finally get it done? We finally got it done. <laughs> did he get a new card? He did get a new card. And he <laughs> And that that shouldn't it shouldn't have been that hard. Right. It shouldn't have been that difficult. Yeah. And there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's there paperwork is. for paperwork. You want to fill out this piece of paper, or you have to fill out there's this piece of paper. Paperwork for paperwork for paperwork. Yeah. Um, I guess that's really my biggest complaint. I've yeah. been fortunate. This area has been really, you know, welcoming. Whether or not it's the, the Tatemai versus Hone, everyone's been nice, smiles at me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody treats me. Oh, I won't say they don't treat me differently, but like when I speak Japanese to them, mm-hmm. they seem to understand and you know talk Japanese back to me. They don't try to speak to me in English. Okay, like they assume I won't understand their Japanese. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well. And I guess uh, if anybody listening 
in, in the States or another country wants to come to Japan, mm-hmm. do your homework. Oh, uh, okay. And what kind of homework would you recommend them doing before they come here? Uh, if you are like I was in high school and you, but most of your opinion was based on what you'd seen in animations, cartoons, anime, uh, don't expect that. It's sure. Not, it's Obviously, it's not that way. I'm sure a million people will tell you the same thing. Would you recommend Genki for like an intro to the language, the textbook? Genki? Because that's what I was taught. I would say sure. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have, but find try to find if you can try to find somebody a native speaker or mm-hmm. somebody who's lived here and who's willing to teach you. I don't know how difficult it would have been if I had just opened the book and did it by myself. Mm-hmm. I was in college, so I had homework. I had to read and study and mm-hmm. perform presentations, oral, audio, and all that. I think another thing that would help is like for, for many people would be any kind of book on cultural literacy. Sure. Like um, there, there's, I'm sure there's books specifically designed for li- like what it's like to live abroad, yes. to go through culture shock, to survive mm-hmm. culture shock. Um, because it seems like um, I don't sense that you had any problem with this. but I was most, lucky it wasn't yeah, too bad. I mean, you studied the language and the culture before you came, but most people who come here don't. So mm. uh, along with studying the language and using a textbook like Genki and getting a conversation party, a native uh, partner, a, a native conversation partner, the next big step would be like, um, I don't know, how to fit in, in, in a, or get by in a foreign culture. Any kind of textbook or primer on that kind of subject right. would be good. It'd be, yeah, because you know, I've known some people that have come here and they had they had no concept of the country outside of you know a few movies. Mm-hmm. They had no prior real interest in Japan. I literally asked one of my coworkers in this company. I was like, you know, why'd you come to Japan? And he literally said, I had nothing else better to do. <laughs> He's like, I don't know the language. I don't know the culture. His yeah. first time we were eating lunch together, he stuck his chopsticks in his rice, <laughs> straight up. And I, I hate to be that guy. Is like, that means death. Yeah, it's like don't, don't do Someone's that. Someone's gonna die tonight. That represents you know like. Death in Buddhism with, you know, the incense and the rice and the sand. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a bit of a faux pas. Yeah. <laughs> Just classic, you know, first-timer mistakes. Yeah, if you can find something specific to Japan, like mm. um, doing homestay or studying abroad or teaching in Japan, mm. a primer. And I don't have anything on off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's material out there. Yeah. And do I get, your homework. If you don't do your homework, then, then don't. Don't set expectations, I guess. I don't know if that sounds bad or good. Like, you know, people come here with expectations and then they, uh, they're either met or they're not. And for the people whose expectations are not met, Mm -hmm. it can be a pretty shitty life here. Yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to interview you, uh, setting aside your expertise in, in, in Japanese language and whatnot, is that to me, you represent a positive case study. There's so many, in my experience, so many people I've met who have come to Japan for one to three years and um, they had something like a breakdown. My ex-wife had a breakdown her first week she was here. Okay. Yeah. There's, and there's, there's multiple kinds of breakdowns. There's like the breakdown that you can have within the first month, which is like culture shock and homesickness. And then people who dig their way out of that will then go through another or other breakdowns down the way, um, maybe uh, what, what's a good example of a, another kind of breakdown would be um, not making inroads in the language, yeah, and not feeling isolated, like you can't talk to anyone, you can't 
get like you're linguistically and culturally isolated. That yes. could be another cause for a breakdown. And um, I've seen people, so many people. Um, I, I, honestly, I think a lot of it has to do with just not being proficient in Japanese. Mm. If you don't know what people are saying around you, but you're working together with people, I've found that maybe our natural inbred paranoia, the inbred paranoia of our <laughs> They're brains, talking about you. Yeah, like I've, I've heard so many people say, they're talking about me. <laughs> That's actually hilarious. Once but you... I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. And I'm like, it's probably nothing. <laughs> but, but I think what happens to a lot of people is they can't speak the language. They don't mm. know what's happening around them. And then they go through these sort of um, deeper and deeper like uh, rings of paranoia. Yeah. <laughs> the, the contos of hell. They just keep going. The seven down. rings of international isolation. Yeah, something like that. So, um, yeah. And then also... And you are the reverse of this. I would think You're so. You're the guy that came over here. Um, you were on your feet and running from the get-go. Right. Um, you're positive, optimistic, social. And so you flourish where other people have floundered. And that, So it's nice to get you on the show and hear you talk about that. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think... It, I've always been an optimistic person. Mm-hmm. Always, you know, everything has a silver lining. And as much as that drives some people nuts, uh, there's always something to be learned from every bad situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I know people that have come to Japan and they're always cynical and bitter. And mm-hmm. if you're a cynical and bitter person, you're going to hate it everywhere. Yeah, but you're especially going to hate it being in a foreign culture. Right. Where you don't speak the language and everything it seems beyond understanding. Yeah. It is. I mean, I'll tell you, and like, I kind of understand that feeling. If you, when I first came here and landed in Tokyo and was looking at a train map for the first <laughs> time in downtown Tokyo, it's a bit overwhelming. That fe- I mean, I, I can't imagine having that feeling of looking at that train map or just being like, I don't know what. What do these lines mean? I don't know what I'm doing. Having that every day. Sure. In every situation, going to the grocery store, going to the the drugstore, just running into somebody on the street, just that sense of anxiety, perplexity. Every, in every situation, what do I do? What 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 are people saying to me? What am I supposed to say? And there are people that are here that I know that they they experience that frequently. What I don't think a lot of people understand is that that is a stressor that builds up on you, and can any kind of stress that mm. builds up on you can lead to a breakdown. Yeah. Um, Without the proper stress coping mechanisms, yeah, that'll lead to a severe mental crisis. I'm sure I went through periods like that in my 15 years here, but lots of alcohol, lots of hiking, <laughs> lots of nomikais, yeah. making friends with locals, um, really helped out. Yeah, you want to make friends? Go get drunk with some Japanese guy at a bar. Yeah, don't try and make friends sober. That's no. That's I've had more people talk to me drunk at a bar. Then on sober, like I've had some incredible experiences with people at bars. I feel like a lot of Japanese people are incapable of or don't want to open up outside of uh, a bar situation or like in mm. al- a situation where they're drinking. Right. Now, of course, alcohol is, um, it opens up the inhibitions and allows people to, to, to say and do things that they wouldn't normally do. And if you're a cool foreigner, they'll buy you lots of drinks. <laughs> I can't tell you how many free drinks I've received. Which bars are you going to then? The gay bars? I need to, I need to no, hit these bars. The, honestly, I hate going there, but the hub. 
Oh, in d- downtown? Just you everywhere. people buy I think, drinks down there? Yeah, I've had a lot of dudes buy me drinks. <clears throat> this one guy I met in Nagoya, at, at the hub, a hub in Nagoya. I can't remember his name now, but a um, super nice guy. We talked in a mixture of Japanese it's and English. It's been forever since I've been to a hub. He bought me this, like, massively tall thing of beer. Mm-hmm. He's like, here, for you. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Like 20 bucks like, yeah, or something yeah, like it that. Was, it was expensive. And then yeah. at another hub somewhere in Tokyo, I met these two two guys and um, we started chatting. Like, oh, your Japanese sounds so, so natural. That's weird. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's a drink. Nice. All right. <laughs> well, let that be a lesson to you. If you know a little Japanese, boom, free drinks. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And the more drunk you are, the more Japanese you think you know. <laughs> we'll end it on that. <laughs>